0: game's dragging on, there's strikes on the batter, some runners are on, but suddenly Ah.
1: everyone's looking at me, my mind has been wondering what could it be, they point to the sky
0: and I look up above, and a baseball falls into my glove.
2: You gotta know how to catch, you gotta know how to throw. That's why I play
1: in right field,
0: way out where the dandelions grow. As a proud sponsor of Little League Baseball, Pizza Hut welcomes all the kids who make it great. Make it great!
1: Dude, that's Major League butt-kicking is back in town. Welcome to another episode of Cut to the Chase. This episode brought to you by Pizza Hut, Domino's, and our new sponsor, DiGiorno. Along with me on this episode, I got from Skeleton Crew fame, the legendary Alex Edwards. Uh, yeah,
2: you know, Uh, maybe I'll fight
1: Apollo, uh, maybe I won't, you know, uh, what do you think?
0: Adrian!
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes! And that intro cannot be topped, or can it? So, also with us from the last episode that we did, one of my favorite episodes ever, our Days to Confuse episode. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back Aaron Duncan. You want a fist in the mouth? I've never even looked at another guy before. (laughs) Yo, those are some deep cuts, gentlemen. Oh my god. Everybody, welcome back. This is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the 1990 version, cut to the chase episode. Are you guys excited or what?
3: Dude, it's been years in the making. (laughs) 30 years in the making, actually. Yeah, we've been waiting to do this as long as we have, like, a new Good Turtles movie. (laughs)
1: Let's just get get this out of the way right now, guys. Uh, Top five movies of all time. Who?
3: Oh, let's see. I went through this recently. Are you guys going to that... go first, or should I go? <laughs> oh, you're just asking not... if this is in the top five. Yeah. 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 Oh God. Yeah. 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 I was about to start naming them off. <laughs> is it
1: now? Is it number one? No, it's not number one. Mm.
3: What's number one for you? What number topic? one for me is? It, it goes back and forth here between yep. they, they switch places between John Carpenter's Halloween. Ah. And Dazed and Confused. Wow. Nice. Right. So you're talking some heavy,
1: heavy, heavy hitters. Those are some heavy hitters, kind of like uh, Apollo. Now, what about you, Alex? Uh, where does this rank in your top five?
2: This is my third favorite movie of all time. Yep. For me, things shuffle around a lot, like uh, moods and uh, what I'm into at the moment and things like that. Uh, it could go either way, but that's that's kind of the, the beauty of, of how I like things and it keeps a variety in my life so like i'm not just super obsessed about one thing in in the world you know uh but this yeah this always shuffles through those five but in my five if you want to get a little taste of what i'm into it would be like uh, friday the 13th part two point break terminator two terminator one you know things like that that's probably like my top five yeah
1: right you know it's yeah, for me, this has always been in my top five. But much like you guys, it just shuffles. It depends on what mood I'm in. But I guess, uh, you know, it's one of those things where <laughs> there's no denying that it's top five, that it's one of, your, one of our favorite movies. And I wanted to start here with this whole subject. Uh, it's often touched on, but I wanted to touch on it, especially with this movie where nostalgia comes into play. Now, yes. Can you differentiate the two? You know, can you be separated? Or can you not be, or does it even matter? Um, what do you guys think in terms of nostalgia and how it affects this movie in particular? We'll start with you, Aaron.
3: Now, this is a this is a great, great uh thing for to talk about because here's what's so cool about this movie. Now it's easy to be nostalgic for a movie, and I have nostalgia for this movie, but that's not what makes it good to me. Right. What's really, really interesting is, like, if I go back and watch the Power Rangers movie, like, I'm smiling ear to ear, but I'm like, whew, this is... <laughs> or, like... I if, I, if I go back and watch Even Saved by the Bell, Alex, I'm like, I didn't, like, you just, I didn't realize how cheesy it was and shit when I was a kid. Now, this movie... I'll watch it and feel like that kid again and be nostalgic, but it has quite the opposite effect. Yes. When I watch it, I'm like, wow, I didn't realize how serious this was when I was a kid. I didn't realize yep. how deep this was. And like, so it's interesting because while I'll watch Power Rangers or watch these other movies as an adult and say, I only like this because I liked it when I was a kid, when I watch Ninja Turtles, every time I watch it, I'm like, this is better than I remember. This gets better and better. Like, there's yeah. no. In between like it just gets better
2: yeah absolutely uh for me this is a movie that was a huge huge part of my youth uh i remember like everything that would even revolved around this movie back then i watched it i'd say basically every year of my life i would imagine um to this point point. And like Aaron, it's definitely one of those things that it's not just nostalgia because there are other things I watch because of the same reason, like, oh, I used to love this or whatever. And it's like, ooh, yeah, just like Aaron said, like, it's just, it doesn't exactly hold up, but you still like it because of nostalgia, you know, purely nostalgia in a lot of ways. But with this movie, every time you watch, it's engaging. There's something else to notice. There's something else to love about it. There's other aspects. There's other levels to love about it beyond what you did when you were a kid because you were too young to even realize what you were watching. So it just, it just for some reason, gets it just keeps adding every time you see it. And it's it's funny you brought this up because one of the main things I wanted to talk about here, not to start off on a sad note, but Apparently, the world uh, is rating this based on uh, no nostalgia, because this (laughs) this gets a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb, and Rotten Tomatoes' score is 40%. What? And the audience score on there is 81%, so that's okay, I guess. But 40.
1: So, this is criminally underrated. Those websites uh, become uh, more illegitimate as time goes on. It seems like, you know, um, yeah, just going by public opinion. I'm sorry when I when I post anything about this movie, it gets nothing but love now. And the thing with nostalgia is, yeah, like, you know, obviously it affects you. But here's here's the here's the whole flip side of it. I think of this movie exactly the opposite you know this is a movie that that shaped my movie viewing experiences like this set the bar so when I rewatch it now from a more critical angle i'm trying to hone in on the things that that made it great that when as a kid i'm not asking questions i'm just immersed in that in that world and and you know what even when i'm trying to analyze it i still am like if i talk to a turtle right now i would think that he's really talking those animatronics are so good we'll get into all that later but it's just and two i think that if that i i think i said this on a podcast before too but if if that was used today, that would still be 10 times better than a lot of the CGI stuff that they that they do today. Like it just it feels more real. But um, you know, I have so much nostalgia for this, but like I said when I watch it now, I it, I'm, I'm going uh, I'm going scene by scene and you know, from the opening shot to the very last shot I I really do think this is a terrific movie. It's not without its flaws just like any movie, but on a critical scale, take nostalgia out of it, this is a great movie. It's its tone, it's Alex you said balance uh earlier, you used that word. That is the perfect word for this for this movie because it has that balance of pretty dark and and sometimes really violent you know like that one time when casey jones just takes it hits the guy right in the face and falls over dude like and, and there's a lot and and there's a lot of dark scenes you know um with talks the about anti- drugs yeah it talks about drugs yeah i uh, <laughs> i mean you got sam rockwell trying to sell you cigarettes i mean i don't i can't see it getting any darker from his perspective <laughs> yeah, there's a little right?
3: menthol okay.
1: <laughs> Um, but yeah th- this movie is just so good even through a critical lens it- it's just a well-made movie and you know I think over anything any any movie needs needs the right balance and this has a balance of like we said the action the comedy the heart the emotion all those kind of things too and that's really what I'm looking for in a movie to put it over the top you know make me feel something make me make me realize, that yes, we're going on a journey and we're all gonna see this through to the end and and come out better for it. And I feel that way every time I watch this movie. It just makes me happy. You know, a lot of the times I get caught up in like trying to analyze, like, okay, well, what is it that makes me feel this way with this movie? I don't ask those questions. I just don't care. It's just it's it's a ride. And I appreciate so much of it, especially now, especially looking back at it now. So, so yeah. So, when did this? Um, when did this all start for you guys? When was the first time, or can you remember the first time that you saw this movie? Even um, we'll start with you, Alex.
2: Yeah. Well, the release date of this movie was March thirtieth, nineteen ninety, and I'm sure I was there because. <laughs> well here's the story, though. It's not. It's a, it's kind of a cooler story than just. Actually, just saying you were there. I was with uh, my mom drove me and my friend from school, Danny Burns. We were like uh, 10, 10 years old. Uh, this because came out in 89 for me, so I was 10. And uh, I remember driving to the movie theater. It was like uh, not a mom and pop theater, but not, nothing like AMC. It was called New Park Cinema. And it was nighttime. And I remember it was like drizzling or something. And uh, it reminds me of the gritty feeling of this movie. That's why that really stays with me. Yeah. And I remember we pulled up to the theater and there was a line around the block. Oh, wow. So we couldn't get in. And, Dude,
1: that'll leave an impression. <laughs> yeah,
2: and that's a better impression to me than saying, oh, I just walked right in and watched it. You know, like, well, what's so great about that? It's kind of cooler to know right.
1: that it was such a phenomenon that you couldn't get in. Dude, and and what you just said right there, come on. How are you going to compare that to a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes? That means nothing to me. What you just said is everything. Like, when you said you could remember the weather, I know exactly what you're talking about. Very specific moments in my life, and it all factors into it. Absolutely. Sorry to cut you off. What really sticks
2: out to me are the moments around it all. Like, when the trailer came out. Uh, like, you couldn't believe what you were looking at. Like, wow. Because I grew up on, like most people, the 1987 cartoon. I'm, I missed the comic book boat because, obviously, uh, you know, in 1987 I was seven.
1: <laughs> you weren't into comic books when you were four? <laughs> like
2: Not really. <laughs> so I was not really reading those uh, comic books. So, yeah, the cartoon was everything to me. I remember the first two toys I got were Metalhead and Rat King. Uh, For some reason, that's the only ones I had for, like, you know, a month or so. Uh, Then, of course, I got most of them. To promote this movie, Burger King released these tapes from the Burger King Kids Club. They released four tapes, and it was just random turtle episodes. And the one I owned was Sky Turtles. And it's in front of me right now. The tape I had 30 years ago is in front of me right now. That's how much it meant to me. Like, I, you know, I threw out hundreds of tapes, I'm sure, in my life. But this one I could never part with. And uh, I remember after watching the movie being so obsessed that I, you know, because back then you had to wait six to nine months to watch the movie again after it was out in the theater. So uh, I had to keep just watching the trailer that was on this tape because they're not going to play a trailer again on TV, you know. So I had to just <laughs> yeah, watch the one yeah. on the tape because <laughs> there was no YouTube back then. And I used to do that all the time, then watch that episode. I've watched that episode Sky Turtles maybe like 70 times in my life just because of that reason. Um, I know I, those tapes, yeah. dude. I remember those fucking tapes. I was going to ask, That's how so many cool. times do you think you watched that tape
3: within a three to four month period, probably between September and Christmas, something like that? How right? like, a day did you think you watched it? Twice a day, three times a day,
2: uh, um, every day. I'm Michael J. Out
3: Halloween, the do you see what direction I'm going here? Yes, yes. yes.
2: Uh, <laughs> and then my heart started beating really heavy when I uh, grabbed it off the shelf every time.
1: No, uh, the curtain Kirk- <laughs> balance, <laughs> he's no. got April Deals jumpsuit on his wall. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I
2: was truly obsessed. Uh, I used to make my own turtle comics, you know, around this time, like. Everything that the cartoon was everything in the world to me when that movie came out. Then I was completely immersed in that '87 cartoon. Uh, really? There was nothing like it in the world. Uh, I was total turtle all the way. I think the only level I didn't go to was getting into the musical shit. Like I was not watching Lean Green and you know coming out of your shells tour, <laughs> right? Oh my god, I loved it. I was not that bad Uh, I never watched that uh, mutation show where it was like the live action like Power Ranger version of the turtles that was just atrocious to me even then
1: then they had the crossover with the Power Rangers, I remember. Yeah,
2: like I, I didn't go that far. I knew where to stop quality-wise with it. Like even the Ninja Turtle Christmas, I'm not sure I ever watched until, you know, like Nostalgia Critic reviewed it or something like that or the Angry Video Game, There one of them. But uh, no, I stopped <laughs> at the right point with the Turtles. I kind of knew when to bail out there. Uh, but yeah, Absolutely. yeah, this was just an amazing time in my life. Uh, I watched when I got the VHS tape I remember the, the tape the turtles like it was like braille they bumped out a little bit you know mm-hmm. it was one of those like you could feel covers
1: yes I remember
2: yeah yep. yeah. it was black and just them on the cover and and that really like set the tone for what you were watching you know when I buy an album and stuff like that the cover can kind of like shape how I feel about what I think of this album mm-hmm. yep Especially if I hate the cover, it kind of taints a little bit of the album for me, because I think about it, and I picture that, and it kinda, uh, I'm like, uh, it's not the feel I'm really thinking about when I think of this album. So, the poster of the Turtles, them coming out of the sewer, and the, the buildings on the sides, and behind them, that poster is epic, that is exactly what I think of, and I think of that cover uh, and Steve Barron, you know, he was a big fan of Batman, that original Batman. And he wanted that same tone for this movie. And I think he completely accomplished it. And it was the absolute right tone. And everything about this was
1: just perfect to me as a kid. Mm-hmm. I think he did it better than Batman.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> honest, captured, he have, you know, but yeah. He didn't have the happy dancing Joker. <laughs> yeah, he captured the city better because in this movie, New York is a character in itself. Dude. Big time. Big time. And not so much with that original Batman. It's more like, um, gothic-y and like a set. You could tell it's not real and it, you know, it has a great feel and it definitely adds to that movie, but it's not a character exactly.
3: Right. Hmm. Right. Well, I
2: would have been
3: around two and a half years old when it came out. And I know for fact. Like, we were taken to see it, like, me and my brother both. That's Um, awesome. My memories start around three years old, though, three and four years old. Like, I have very vivid memories. Like, I'm one of those rare people that remembers a lot of stuff from that. Yep. So, you know, I grew up back and forth between here in Paducah, Kentucky and Detroit, Michigan. So I've got both perspectives. But when I was in Detroit, we would stay at my grandma's place, which was like this – She had this legendary basement, basically, that a bunch of, like, the kids in my group and then, like, other people had lived in at different points. Hell, I lived there at one point, and, like, there was, all like, I know so many of, like, my cousins, they told me they lost their virginity in that basement. Like, it was just kind of, like, this thing, but when it was yours, it was yours, basically, and so, like... I was staying up there for months, and one of my cousins, who was older than me, um, she dropped off the tape for me to watch. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, I love this movie. That's great. So I like, all I did for an entire summer was watch this movie over and over again in <laughs> the basement and like beg everyone yes. around me to order pizza. And those are like yes. some of the most precious because the basement almost felt like their cool sewer. You know what I'm saying? Like it almost had that like sewery vibe. <laughs> and so, like, some of my favorite memories are watching that movie in that basement. And it's yep. just unreal. It, it's so freaking cool. And um, it was it was even cooler for me because, like, my sister ended up basically, like, absorbing the place. Yep. And what ended up happening was, was a few years ago, like, I say a few years ago, in, like, 2012, 2013, I'd moved back up there briefly and was living in that basement. And so, like, as an adult watching it in the ba- in that basement again and ordering yep. pizza. Oh, it was amazing. It was so it, amazing.
1: And then it got too crowded and she kicked you out and you had to move to an old train station. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly what
3: happened. I kept making a mess and there was all these pizza boxes and stuff like that just <laughs> everywhere. But um no, as far as the turtle thing goes and you know, I'm sure we'll get to this later about like um two and three and all that stuff like but there was something within the first movie that struck a chord with me where I was like I love the vibe of it I loved how kind of dark and gritty it felt now when I was a kid for some reason I think this just happens when you're a kid you don't see things as they really are you just see the bright colors and different things and think it's like one thing But because sa- this was the same case with like Back to the Future um, where I seen the second movie And just thought the second movie was the shit. And a lot of that could be because of the fact that I didn't own a real copy of the second movie. I had, like, the recorded one from Blockbuster or whatever, like, that we we recorded onto a VHS. But (laughs) that said, uh, you know, it's one of those things as an adult, it's definitely turned around. Like, I don't, by any stretch of the imagination, dislike the second movie. It's a lot of fun. But, like... It's nowhere near the oh. tonal quality and seriousness of the first movie. Like it like that first movie, they really kind of found lightning in a bottle. Right. And even as a even as a kid, even though like I remember liking this the the second one a lot, there was just something about that first movie. From the way it opened to the way it ended to like the more kind of feely scenes, which I still feel today. Like there's like, I'll put it like this. I remember that was the first movie that taught me like the core of family lessons and values and arguing with my brother and, uh, you know, the love between a father and son and all that stuff. Like there's just, there's so much deepness in that movie
1: that is huge and just way over kids heads being being alone without parents you know when splinter was taken away you oh, know and how they all bonded and kind of kind of grew up at that point you know um yeah man th- this movie it's it's no secret to anybody who's ever listened to <laughs> any podcast i've ever been on but first movie i ever saw in the theater i remember the theater i remember It's so vividly that it's kind of scary that I even had waves of something I haven't thought of in years while you guys were talking about it, while you were talking about the theater and all that. I remember uh, Shredder's entrance, being a kid, seeing that on the big screen and I'm like, holy fucking shit. Like literally to this day watching it, I'm like, fuck, that was a dope ass intro. Holy fucking shit. And – Better yet, everybody's got a fucking great intro in this movie. I mean, think of the opening title sequence. You don't even see the turtles, and then and then they come jumping around the corner like they do. And and like as a as a kid seeing that, you're like, holy shit, what is happening here? Like, this is unreal. It's it, it literally felt like, you know, especially the look of them, it's like a, a cartoon come to life. And this is a real version of it. And and as a kid, yeah, that's that's how it should be. Oh, and I yeah. still I still feel that way. I'm like that's how it should look. It should look Dude, real, you know? They they should make a new CGI movie and make
2: it look identical to this movie. Like right. why can't the turtles look exactly like this? But, you know, we know that we can't have actors in suits. We know it's too limiting. You know, you can't jump from a building to building or whatever. So <laughs> so I'm OK with CGI. But why not recreate the exact look of this movie? Because this has captured it so perfectly and everyone else since has got it wrong.
1: You know, I mean, you just, you just brought up a good point about jumping across buildings. And I wonder... The more and more I watch movies like this and even you watch Tim Burton's Batman and all these things, is all that really necessary? Because the, the the action in this, the fighting in this is dope as hell, especially considering they're in fucking turtle suits. The way they move in these suits I always thought was one of the slickest, one of the slyest uh-huh. things ever because the way it's shot too – same thing I mentioned Casey Jones, the way he takes out those purse snatchers in the, in the beginning and everything – It's just so perfectly done the way it's shot. And, you know, as I get older and watch a lot of action, uh, even like John Wick stuff and all these different, you know, ways of, of doing action or shooting action, I should say. This has got to be one of the slickest ways because so much is conveyed without you not really seeing, like, hard hits, you know? It's just – it's all shot at angles and it's all build up and especially with the music as well. They make for great fight scenes and the comedy infused in that too. Again, it's all balance. You mess that up, it becomes stupid real quick, you know? It's definitely that whole more is less aspect
3: and it's like the same thing with, like, how – uh, you know, the first Halloween is all a buildup and you don't really right. when you go back and look at it, you think you've seen something, but you yep. really didn't yep. like, you know, and that's that's a big part of this. And there's no part of me that sees them even today right. and thinks like that they look fake like and I'll, I'll say the, the greatest thing, you know, you talked about uh, seeing Shredder, you know, the first yeah. time and it kind of <laughs> having an impact on you. The best thing about this, one of the best things, I remember I, ha- I have it in my notes is um, that as it's gone on through various releases, DVD to Blu-ray, so on and so forth, um, it has not messed up the quality of the way things look. You know, it's funny because when I when I was a kid, I thought that uh, like the Shredder's cape was a trash bag, and I didn't. I didn't realize until I was an adult, watching it, like, oh, it's not.
2: It's totally it's like a pattern. Yeah, it's like silver <laughs> right. with like a black tiger print, which is obvious now because they released these amazing NECA figures of the 1990 movie, and they released Shredder, the Turtles, Splinter, and Foot Soldiers, and they are identical to this movie. Last right. night, because right now it is, uh, it's May 16th, That we're recording this. Now, yesterday, Kevin Eastman did a a go live on Facebook where he watched the part two movie With You. And he was joined by Ernie, what's his name, Reyes uh, Jr., the guy who plays Kino in part two. And he, he also plays Donatello in this movie. He's in the suit. Um, they were together and it was magical. You ate pizza, you had drinks, whatever you drink, soda or beer, whatever. And you watch the movie live in real life with these guys and they're talking about it. And Kevin Eastman was dropping so many, like, oh my God, it was just so good. Yeah. Go back if you can. I'm sure he just loaded up and left it there so you can watch. Uh, and you can watch the movie behind him if you don't want to cue your own up. But I had the Blu-ray going, a nice whole atmosphere. (laughs) How was it, man? How was your how was the experience, Alex? It was amazing. It was everything I hoped for. And it, it's funny because this is coming to the big buildup of what we're going to be doing. Now, when we release this episode, we're releasing this show on May 22nd of 2020. And the reason that's important, number one, it's 30 years since the movie was released so that we had to do it this year. This is just perfect timing. But the second reason is because tomorrow... The girl who plays April O'Neil in this movie, uh, Judith Hogg, she is having a Ninja Turtles pizza party, and she promises to get guests on. And I think from the movie and things like that, so another pizza party is going on tomorrow. So tune into that. Go to, uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1990 uh, YouTube channel or something, or else maybe just check out her Facebook or whatever. But you could probably pizza party. Yeah, it's a pizza party with her, so check that out tomorrow. <laughs> her agent should have come up with a better
3: last name for her. I always thought that was a hot choice. It looks like Hog. I'm Ju- it, it, It's it's worse. It's bad both ways. It's either Judith Hogue, right. Hog.
2: Like none of it right. sounds good. Big Booty Judy. Now, tell me if this fascinates you guys about April O'Neil. Let's talk about her. Actually, I do want to get to everyone's intro because, you know, there's a lot of intros in this movie that are epic, so we can get to it. But real quick, uh, so as far as April O'Neil goes, how did you guys feel? Because you were coming off the cartoon. This April really didn't look much like her except for the red hair and stuff like that. But what... Uh, what I found fascinating was how mature she came off and how older she seemed uh, than even the April in the cartoon, who was uh, 28 years old, I believe she said in a few episodes. How old do you guys think Judith Hogue was in this 1990 movie? I don't know,
3: man. Shoots in the 80s just, they could be like 19 and they looked like they were 46. Right. So, right. So, I mean, but this was 1990. So, what's still. your guess, though? Because I'm, I'm blown away.
2: Okay. Her actual age? Yeah, what do you think her age was? 26. Okay, what do you think, Dan? 24. She, wow, I can't believe you guessed that close. She was 22 years old. Wow, she was 22? Dude, she seems older than me now, and I'm 40. It was. I think it was the hair, maybe. I feel like she wouldn't date me and take me seriously as an adult. <laughs> and she's 22 <laughs> and I'm 40. <laughs> <laughs> 22 right. yes that's
3: crazy dude that's the most shot out 22 year old i've ever seen in my life like
1: <laughs> born and raised in natick massachusetts so maybe that maybe that's it but here,
2: here's what's fascinating about her she looks amazing today
1: she looks she looks better now that's crazy that's well look her up now Alex, that's no surprise to you because because of the whole J Lo thing. So, well, you, you, we've seen this as a as a trend lately. Yeah, she has J Lo's money to do
2: that. But...
1: Wow, twenty two. That's jarring. That's insane. That's crazy. Absolutely,
2: because she even comes off as older.
1: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you mentioned the intros, Alex. I think I think you know a lot of the characters. All right, let's go the turtles. like like we said, that intro is is fantastic because of. You don't even get to see him. We talk about build-up. That whole beginning is build-up.
3: I mean, it's Wrath?
1: Rough. Oh. peeking the eye through and then, damn.
0: Dude.
1: <laughs> so classic. Like, seeing that, I can remember seeing that for the first time, and I was just like, oh, my God. Just the glimmer off his eyes with the lights, and it's just like, holy shit, okay. And, and yeah, um, how, how that whole sequence goes down, I always thought, wow, like, that was that was pretty fucking badass. Like, you didn't even see anything. It, you just want more and more. And then, yeah, when they are introduced, and then, obviously, it's, it's character development. And that's one thing. I checked out when Shredder came on scene half hour into the movie. So we have a whole half hour of just kind of getting to know characters, setting up Casey Jones, and that's another thing, too. You know, you talk about everybody's intros oh, or whatever, man, but... His. Yeah, his his is ridiculous. Like, like I'll say this. I remember, um, you know, especially going back. It was after this movie, obviously for me seeing all like the Friday the Thirteenth movies or whatever. Man that first scene of Casey Jones freaked me out more than Jason did. <laughs> like it really, well, is it see He seemed more human. And he was like having a conversation with you or whatever. Not like Freddie. Oh, by the way, shout out to new line. Like it starts even before the movie begins with the new line. Thing. I mean, for me, I see that to this day. And I just, I, I know a lot of people equate it with Freddie Krueger, but it, for me, it's, he's been turtles. Well, Jamie told the story about how she was in the theater to
2: watch, um, a like, uh, new nightmare Freddy Krueger and she said there was a kid in the theater and when the new line popped up he went turtle <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Freaky. laughs> I still say that to people all the time and that's how I gauge if, if you can follow up with a line from that scene uh, then then we connect and we're good for life but if you don't like I'm most just, people
2: just tell me win. you didn't pay money for this <laughs> God, you know, it's so important that uh, Casey Jones is so good, and as a kid, we might not have really picked up on it, because it just is what it was, and you're watching, but you know when you could tell how good something is, when there's another version of it, and like, anything that, honestly, I'm going to say something that might be sacrilegious to purist Turtle fans, but I don't think any version of Casey Jones is as good as this one, including including the 1987 cartoon version that was a weird version because he's like come on lawbreakers like <laughs> he had this weird delivery that the guy intentionally did it was like the voice for uh, michelangelo i think or leonardo who, who did casey and he deliberately was like impersonating like harvey Kai or something weird some like old detective where he's like Oh, I'm gonna clean up this city. Like, you know, and and when you have that kind of delivery, it takes away. I can't connect with you. You just seem other, otherworldly, and you just seem like some lunatic that I just, eh, you know, it's Casey, but you're just weird. Like even like the 2003 cartoon, and especially this new movie with uh Michael, the Michael Bay movies. When Casey Jones was in the second one, Out of the Shadows that dude who played him was so bland
1: and boring and sanitized (laughs) it is... You bite your tongue. That's Albert Queen you're talking about, sir. Dude, that was the worst. As soon as I seen
2: he was cast, I was like, no.
3: No.
2: But but like, because Casey
3: Jones should have long hair and freaking sweatpants and all that stuff. I'll tell you, they're just... I agree with you, Alex, because like this uh, Elias Cotes, he pulled this off of being like caring yet so smooth and just so like real with the way his lines were and like being believable like he's so believable in that like like, like whereas everyone else like it seemed like they didn't know the direction they were going with it and he just was so natural with it and so good and like um there's no one that's accomplished that now there's it's actually funny because there's these uh, things called superpower beatdowns. You guys ever watch those? <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, It's pretty cool. Like so, these, Sounds this it. Company, these these companies put a lot of money into these things, and they take character. I mean, a lot of money, and it's called superpower beatdown, and they have them on a, they have seen, on yep. YouTube, and they had one where they had like. Um, the white ranger versus scorpion right and they had the actual jason david frank playing him yep. and all that stuff like um yep. but they did a casey jones versus Kickass, and they had uh john morrison who or his name is john hannigan but he, in wwe he goes by john morrison uh play him and my buddy's really really good friends with him and so i got to meet him at a show a few years ago and all we talked about was casey jones <laughs> and he told me about the different masks he's got and this wow. and that. And all he said was, and this was a literal quote. He goes, when they asked me to do that, all I was trying to do was act like, act like Elias Cotes." He yep. was like, cause there was nothing. He was like, cause that dude, dude did it. And he was just the, and like, he was just the best. He's like, that's all I tried to do. And even he said, he's like, I don't know if I exactly nailed it or not, but it was just cool to be, he's like, but the way I, he dressed, he was like everything, the way he talked, he tried to do it like he even said i think in the thing like your class is pain 101 your instructor's casey jones so it's like (laughs) like that that guy just nailed that role of being like right so cool like it's unreal how good he did
1: and and i'll say this about him too you know probably the best actor out out of this entire movie you know today He's in one of my favorite seasons of The Killing, and his character is so dope. Like, uh-huh. he is such—and I'm sitting there, I'm like, this is fucking Casey Jones. Like, this is unreal. But, like, it, like it. that quickly goes out the door because he's just one of those actors where, you know, obviously he's not on anybody's radar. Like, oh, this is one of my favorite actors. But you watch anything that he's in. I think he's in—is it Chicago PD? One of those shows— uh-huh. And he kills it. He plays a badass on that show. I mean a badass, like Vic Mackey badass. And like it's he's so incredibly great. And it's funny cuz you know you rewatch it and you can see it. It's not like he didn't have chops back then even you can tell. And I'll also say this. His relationship with April, normally I'd be like that's just a side thing that doesn't work. Fuck it works for this movie. It's- oh. Basically, he's part of, you know, an aspect of the heart of this movie. You know, you do have the family aspect with the turtles. And I'll say this. It's kind of an unspoken thing, too. There's this weird thing going on where they're all flirting with April, right? All these turtles. We're not going to address it, but but here comes, like, a real human and, like... And, and they actually play that out or whatever. I think it dealt with it in a way that was just very lighthearted and... And I thought brought a lot of um, humanity to those two characters in particular.
3: You know, I said family values and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite scenes, and and this is this kind of falls in line with like Casey being so cool and laid back. But when he when you need someone to care, he's right. the guy in front wanting to help. Exactly. I love the scene after his fight with uh, Tatsu or whatever when he when he's helping Splinter. And he's like, you call this oh. over here, that over there, family, like. Ooh. And then he yes. just shakes his head and he helps them. And he, of course, like, "I'm Casey, I'm a friend." Before that, got, he's got like, goosebumps. <laughs> when he's giving the kid the lesson about family. He's like, "Family, Same you wrong, call this well. family?" Like, <laughs> yeah. man, that's cool. Like so every good. time, like when I think about family and stuff like that, that's one of the first things that pops in my head. Is like yep. him helping Splinter out, and uh, and beyond that, that thing where as you get older you learn that family ain't just blood. Like, there's people that you just, like, drop a drop of a hat, you're gonna help and care, and, like, no matter what. You know what I'm saying? And, like, that was a great shining example of that. Like, it just makes you care different.
2: Yeah, he just added, he added such a humanistic and lived-in feeling to this movie. Everything he did, the way he looked, the way he moved, the way he interacted with the turtles is a big part of, selling that they are really there. You know, uh, like you said, uh, you don't think they look bad or anything. You know, people could point out, oh, if Donatello opens his mouth, you see the guy inside. There's a point where you touch uh, Raphael's shell after he goes to the window and it moves a little bit. You could tell it's foam and stuff or whatever. But, you know, despite those two maybe little technical aspects that you might catch or whatever, or somebody sees a wire coming out of the shell or whatever, like that could happen, but the way uh, him and Judith Ho really interact with the turtles, it's so authentic, and they are totally believing their scene, and they're believing the moment. And something about the way he plays Casey feels so lived in. Even when he's alone and he's in that truck and he's trying to sleep and he can't fit in there, and he opens the window, like it's just something about it is so. I don't know, man. He just brings it to life and it feels real to me. And right. when you're talking about a movie where you're taking a, set, a cartoon and bringing it to life, you need people who could who could sell this as real. That's it. So imagine if like this movie happened and there was no Casey Jones. Maybe they said, well, no, we don't need Casey.
1: Let's focus on the turtles. Imagine what would have been lost. You would need it. You need it. It's it's a it's a key component, dude. And it also gives us perspective as as humans. And it's not from Casey's perspective, but you're seeing all these scenes play out. You know, you feel it in the dialogue. You feel it in their acting. It it all comes through that they're all connecting. Right. So, yeah, you're right take this ridiculous situation some fucking turtles fall on some ooze and now they fight like they fight as ninjas it's a ridiculous concept but it's all about that adaptation of it how it's played and I gotta say man that's probably got to be one of the hardest things right is to is to toe that line is to keep that balance of of make it gritty make it because hey you mentioned uh, uh, Raph's eyes right I'll say, that that is probably one of the most iconic scenes in my head, right? That just like cinematically, I'm like, yo, that's so badass. Furthermore, uh, when he gets his sigh back, like, let's talk about this oh, little plot point. It. It's a, dude, it's a little plot point right in the beginning. Like it, it you're already getting to know these characters through the loss of a sigh, right? And you you get he's got a temper and and all these things, but then when he gets it back. See, here's the thing about movies like this. It's very atypical in a lot of ways, but but I love this about movies in general, and this is what I feel actually lacks in a lot of movies. It's almost too much – too many bad things happening and not enough, but you got to have something happen and then have them come back and, and have them face adversity. And then, you know, while you're also setting up, you know, the shredder comes in at 30 minutes in and you, you, you constantly have these shifts, right? You constantly have, okay, well this happened to Raph and like, I'm sorry, but one of the most iconic scenes is when he grabs that. Like you said, when he grabs oh. that, pulls it back and then
0: the, the shit
1: that comes, dude, kicks both of them, flips the size. Like, come on, dude. Like, I purchased size as a kid because of that, <laughs> yeah. and I always, to this day, dude. Like, I always think that's the dopest weapon. Like, they're like, they're like fucking knives. They're blades. Like, there's so much you can do with it. And I always thought uh, Raphael's my favorite. By the way, uh, who's you guys' favorite turtle? Let's let's talk about that real quick. Um, uh. Yeah. I'm a Leonardo. I've always okay.
0: been a
3: Leonardo. And like, here's what's funny, is I even made a, a Facebook status about this recently. My favorite is Leonardo. I love those noble leaders. And stuff like that, especially conflicted ones and stuff. But however, I know for a fact that my personality, like if someone was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. if Aaron was a Ninja Turtle, it's Michelangelo. Mighty, so, a million so, like, percent. Like, that's how so, I see you. Yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and a lot of people do. A lot of people are like, oh, you're like Michelangelo and stuff. And I love that. <laughs> it's such a compliment. But I feel like it's fair because my favorite's Leonardo. And I feel like that would be a Michelangelo thing because, um, Seeing how apparently I'm a lot like him, I could see why I could see him looking up to Leonardo. Right. So, it, right. so I'm okay being looked at as Michelangelo because I feel like I'm validated that Leonardo's what a great a favorite. answer. Yeah. Because wow. I look up to Leonardo because I feel like ultimately he does. Right. And Alex, before you go, isn't it crazy how fleshed out these turtles are? Because like every crazy. one of them has their character parts because it's like you want to be the badass you're Raphael you want to be the intellectual you're Donatello you want to just the laid-back party dude you're Mikey you want to be the leader it Leonardo and every one of them doesn't share too much of it every yeah. one of
2: them has the exact right amount to where you go yep hmm, you know yep. yep yeah it's it's so it's an interesting dynamic the turtles in general because you could kind of see yourself in all of them or at least you hope to and that plays into my answer. Um, you know, I think everybody would like to think of themselves as smart. Uh, I don't think most <laughs> people are, but, you know, they would like to think they have their moments. Um, everybody likes to think they're a fun, loving party guy like Michelangelo. Everybody likes to think they have leadership qualities. And, and everybody likes to think they're also a badass when they need to be, you know. So I think like that, giving these these four characters all those aspects of personalities is a genius move because you can't hate any of them. You know, you, you can't even not like any of them. There's some turtles that you might think of less or, you know, when you think of the turtles or you go to draw one, they're the last one you always think to draw or play when you're playing the arcade games or whatever. You know, there's a million ways of how you could think of some one of them less or more. Um, but for me, uh favorite... I think I like to think I'm Michelangelo, like the fun, party, uh, goofy guy and stuff. But I think what I really am is Raphael uh, with little traces of, of Leonardo. You know, It's like one of those things that you, you're not necessarily what you want to be. You just you are something sometimes. And I think that's where I kind of land with Raphael in a lot of ways. But as far as like favorite grown up, of course, every kid it's the fun guy, it's Michelangelo. I've... But as I got older, I realized that um, I relate more to Raphael, whether it be the sarcasm or the, the <laughs> brooding or whatever, or the or being the uh, sort of the outsider turtle and the uh, the loner turtle. Absolutely, that's me.
1: I, and I, I think one of the best parts of his personality too is he he clashes with Leo a lot, but it's all based on it's all predicated upon them wanting the best for all of them. He's not that much of a loner that he's like, hey, you know, fuck you guys. But he does need some time, you know, when he gets a little heated, he needs to go space, on the right. yeah. And and I'll also say this that the question that I asked itself also lends it to another point which is the dynamic you know it takes all of them like you guys were were talking about it's the whole family thing it's how they play off each other you know um and and they all share this common this common goodness this this brotherhood and obviously like you got that ride or die stuff like they have each other's backs no matter what and obviously once splinter goes missing that's that that changes things you know but then um, another shift happens, obviously, when when Raph gets hurt, you know, when he when he gets jumped, basically. <laughs> um, and oh, that's another iconic scene, too. The rooftop scene. Oh, my oh. God, God. Fuck, dude. It's I, emotional just thinking about it. I didn't even think of that. Like, I'll be honest with you. I think of this movie It that never for some reason came to my mind. I watched it today. I fucking paused it. I was like, "Yo," and that's what, that's what we're talking about here. Like, like a bad movie. Like, in what sense? I will go toe to toe with anybody and break down every single aspect as to why this is a superior movie than a lot of those movies on fucking Rotten Tomatoes that are in the nineties. Yeah, fuck out of here. I do like the uh, the shifts in this in terms of the plot, you know it's like you got you get bad things happening like like we alluded to you know, splinter being taken. now, what did you guys think of that and and is it Raph that screams yeah when, it, when they take right? That whole scene, um I remember as a kid. Like, just remembering, I think that's kind of how I learned of, like, stakes, (laughs) you know, of, like, things mattering. Like, wait, what do you mean they took Splinter? Like, I just didn't think that could ever happen. Like, everybody, you know, in my mind was safe and and everything was good. Oh, by the way, can we talk about Splinter real quick? (laughs) Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, yes. I
3: mean, there's so much, like, especially with the rap Splinter stuff. That is like so important, um, in terms of like as an adult watching this, or as a kid watching this, or as a teenager watching this, that you can pull from and relate to because, like, talking about uh, like the way Raph has anger and inner turmoil, right. and Splinter's trying to be the guy that's like, Look, watch out for this, and <laughs> then immediately after they have this conversation, not too long after that, Splinter's taken. Yeah. And that inner turmoil that when rap just screams, rap! Right. like, it's like, holy crap, this, you know, once again, this movie's not exactly a kid's movie. It's teaching me about like anger issues and all that stuff and like, don't let it consume you, sort of thing. And, you know, Splinter was such a, like, I mean, he is the father of the movie and all that stuff, but the way right. he kind of relates to everyone and is this all knowing, almost like, beyond Yoda or better than to me better than Yoda kind right. of character the way he um, especially the way he talks to Danny that yep. line yep. when we were watching this movie um, you know a few weeks back it was me my girlfriend and my buddy we were all sitting there watching it and for some reason that line when he's talking to Danny and Danny's like my father doesn't care about me he's like all fathers care for their sons like yep. both of them that who were watching the movie just with me were like damn that comes yep. like you know what I mean and it's like that you know he's just another example of like a great lessons in this movie um right. great lessons and kind of a uh, heart of the matter and stuff of the movie but yeah, yeah.
1: I'll say this, too. uh, One of the dopest scenes (laughs) that Splinter has is actually in part two when he fucking shoots him down with that (laughs) arrow, dude. Because Eddie don't do shit after that. He's like, hey, that's all I got. (laughs) He's like, all right. He's like, I'm 90 years old. I'm out this bitch. Um, Okay, let me ask you guys a question. And uh, I'm almost conflicted because I don't even know if you guys are aware of this information. So the guy who voiced uh, Splinter, his name is Kevin Clash. Uh, He's also the voice of Elmo Elmo and the baby on Dinosaurs. Again! Yeah. So, Kevin Clash was actually... um, Accused of, I believe it was like 10 different people of sexual abuse. Now, all those charges were dropped because of the statute of limitations. He quit doing Elmo shortly after these allegations came out. I think it was in 2014. I guess, Anna, I can tell by the look on your faces that you didn't know that. So, first of all, I'm sorry to, my to heart be just the same. Right. Well, that's my question, though. So, knowing something like that, does that affect viewing experience Knowing knowing something like that? I mean, it was just his voice. Yeah. Well, it's the character. It's not the person
2: who's voicing it. So I'm still good with it. But it's like uh, the thing that's interesting about this splinter among all of them. Now, you know, I said there's the best Casey Jones. Yes, we could say, is this the best splinter? Um, That's questionable because there's too too many good splinters. So I'll say that um, the interesting thing about this splinter is that out of every version ever, he is the most frail and looking like he's going to die at any minute. So, that adds a lot, too, because when Donatello is having the conversation with Mikey when he's waiting for the pizza, and the pizza dude's got 30 seconds, he's like, uh, you know, Corey Feldman plays Donatello, and he's like, hey, Mikey, you know, do you ever think about what Splinter said, you know, about not having them at all? Like, they don't really think of that kind of stuff um, on a daily basis, or ever, really, uh, in most iterations of the Turtles. And in this one, he looks like he could die at any minute, especially when he got the ship beat out of him. He's hanging on the June on the gate,
1: bleeding.
2: and he's yeah, he's like that. And then the way Casey's walking him out, he looks like he's dying there. You know, like, and it's like you. This is the one iteration where. It's like this pending doom that hangs over the turtles that one day this guy will be gone. Then you actually take him away. For real. And now we don't even know what happened to him. Where is he? Who has him? Because if you remember, the turtles don't even know who Shredder is in this movie. They have no idea who that is. They meet him at the end. They literally say a line. They're like, who's this guy? (laughs) Right. They know the Foot Clan, but they have no idea who's running it. Yeah, right. you know, and and the intro <laughs> shredder has two introductions or three introductions when you think about it. The first one is him when he's watching April's news report and he throws the knife at the TV and he goes find her, silence her, you know, which is amazing. Then you got the second one, which is him walking with the big shadow that precedes him when he goes to talk to the kids in that dungeon-looking, you know, area of the warehouse. And then the third intro is when the turtles meet him. So like there there's so many aspects of things that are we all know uh because of the cartoon and familiarizations that aren't actually happening here and that's because in this movie it follows the comic book more like they don't even know that he's a Rokusaki till he takes his mask off and there's scratches on his face and they're like it's him
1: Oh my God, it's him! Yeah, no, he looks better in part two. He looks more youthful in part two. He's like Judith Hoag. He gets mm. better looking as he gets older. Why are you all that recycled garbage and stuff? <laughs> yeah. Natural. I love how Casey's the one who does that too. Oops. You know. Oh, let's talk about
2: a lot of people. If you watch reviews about this movie. A lot of people highlight that scene and say, "Is this guy a fucking lunatic? Like he didn't even have that any human to even ponder if he should." Oh, I loved it. He just walked right up to him. Oops! And and if Shredder was alive, he was willing to
1: murder him right there. Absolutely, absolutely. He knew what was going on. Casey has his ear. To the streets like he's out there he knows what these people are doing and, and terrorizing people you got to take out the shredder you have to
3: yeah and you know this is it i feel like we're going to turn this into the casey jones podcast and yeah, like it, it can, can. It. and i'm perfectly good with yeah, it i'm all right
2: with
1: it like, steven amell no oh, he was so great i, I <laughs> always
3: felt like before Casey had that interaction with Raph and before he seen Raph getting attacked on the rooftop right, right. and decided to do the noble thing and, like, be, really befriend these people and come in, I felt like Casey was going down a path, like, before he had that interaction with the park. And who knows where he was going to end up. Kind of that, uh... Um, you see yourself become the villain sort of thing. Like, yep. you know what I mean? And so like, um, not that it was foreshadowing or anything like that, but it's like, at the same time, he might not exactly fall completely in line with their values. And, and right. you know, and it just happened to be lucky that he fell in a dumpster. Cause I mean, on the same token, Splinter was like, Splinter, let him fall off. I mean, right. I don't think you're going to be able to catch him or anything, but yeah. Still. Yeah. But this dude wasn't, this
1: dude was a menace. Just kill him. Just, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I, that whole sequence, though, in itself, I mean, when 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 they go and, you know, like I said, Raph has that that line and it's it's completely New York Raph with Splinter. <laughs> like, just, they're so ready. And then, like you said, like, I got him or what, what's what's the line when he talks, I got him? I got him. And and I love that, that, yeah, they kind of get their asses handed to him. And that <laughs> whole sequence of finding out, oh, that's the same guy from the backstory. I mean, when you saw Splinter explaining that backstory, you knew it was the Shredder.
3: like I do like how Shredder's friendly enough to give them a break, to let them have right. a huddle. And he's just, like, walking around in the back. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, a, he's, like, that's he's, a like, boss-ass move. He's like, he's like, I could just turn turn these guys around and slit their throats but i'll let them get together and just kind of like walk walk in the background <laughs> yeah he wants to
2: reaffirm his alpha-ness to them before he does this you know like i'm not even gonna look at you he literally has his back turned he's he's showing you he's so not concerned with you that whole puts around back there not even looking at you waiting for you to decide who's gonna be if you notice none of the the turtles are all losing that, you're getting their asses handed to him. Yeah, that's yeah. the best part. If any of them, and I'm glad that Leonardo got that one swipe on his arm that cut his arm. And, yes, and that's the only time anybody gets cut in this entire movie. It's what Shredder does, except for Splinter's ear, I guess. We don't
1: want to talk about that, but it, well, yeah, that too. Well, I, and I'll also say this. So I think nobody will disagree when we say that you know Shredder is definitely. A badass, a great bad guy, and that's a great scene, you know? I, and I also love the um, the action in it, you know, just the karate in it. Like, it just – it looks so good, and I'll also say this. I, I've been trying to, like, think of a way to say this, but you can feel their weight when they move. So, like, they feel big and they feel strong, so, like, their movement – makes sense when the action is happening. Because I've seen it so many times not done well, and it's very noticeable. In something like this, it's flawless. It really is. Now, definitively, he's he's a great bad guy. What did you guys think of Tatsu? Because I honestly was scared shitless of this dude as well. This little child, this bald Chinese little fuck, or whatever, Japan. Um, This scared the hell out of me because when he beat up that foot soldier like he went off and you you could see it all that all that bark that he had before that's his bite and I was scared shitless of Tatsu what did you and, guys think
3: I think in the real version of that he actually killed him yeah he does and oh, really? after they, they edited it they just put in some ADR of the guy being like he's gonna
2: be okay <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna make it he's gonna he's, yeah. <laughs> he's not dead kids he's not dead they should have said yeah t- Tatsu is another Casey Jones to me like you didn't have to have him there is no Tatsu he was actually created for this movie so to give counterparts um, they did really good jobs of choosing counterparts you know it's a subtle role but Tatsu just seems right uh, he doesn't have much to say except for eh <clears throat> do you scary about him though. Yeah, why do they concern you, Master? John, finish. <laughs> why? It, it it again brings another layer to Shredder. Because what's he gonna do? Sit there and talk to himself? That's cheesy. Uh, what is he gonna do? Talk to a minion like a foot soldier? That's that's weird. So
1: <laughs> Sam Rockwell, Oscar.
2: Is he going to explain to Sam Rockwell that something troubles him about the way you explain their fighting technique? No, he's like, i going to talk to these fucking guys about this. No, you need a guy that's his his second in command. I want to say two things about Shredder also. I mean, one, obviously
3: he's very accommodating to all these kids um, because, like, their hangout is just the shit.
0: They're just
3: beer and Mountain Dew and Pepsi and cigarettes and arcade games and ramps everywhere. Like... Burger King, what, what a solid a dude! For sure, for sure, he is—he is really making sure that these kids have a good time. Um, but the second thing is—is is actually, even yeah. as an adult, I feel this, and I want to see if you guys are the same way. He is so intimidating, and so scary that, like, the scene where Danny's got the drawing in his pocket, that oh, did, oh, and he dude. puts his—he puts his hand in Bro. there and slowly goes down. Do you guys feel that? I like, did today. Every time he moves his hand him. on your side. Yep. you yep. feel. Feel it while you're watching. Like, oh man, he could cut me at any second. Like, yep.
2: that's how good that guy was at being intimidating. Even the jump scare of the scene, when he's like, Ugh. "What are you doing?" You know, and, and and Danny like shivers. You could feel that too. Like, imagine you're you take off the the bandana with his Foot Clan symbol on it and drop it on the floor Jesus. and. And you're thinking, you know, you're doing whatever you're doing. All of a sudden, the guy who's in charge, the most scary fucking intimidating guy on earth right now, is right behind you when you just did that. And you're like, oh, fuck. And then then he does that thing when he goes, and he goes and goes down your arm like that to your
1: pocket. Oh, my God. And he's the one who ratted him out in the first place, raising his hand. He's almost asking for this stuff. And I'll say this, too, about the character Danny. Now... Not necessarily my favorite person in the world, but I always looked at him as a moral compass with because we shared the same name. And I was always like, wait, what do you mean? His name is the same That everybody's gonna think I'm an asshole. <laughs> like everybody's gonna think I'm a little shit who steals twenty dollars, you know? So when when he gave her back the twenty at the end I was just like, All right, Danny, good representing Danny's all across the world, you know what I mean? Well, I think like
3: <laughs> like you say the moral compass, and I think that's totally right, because I think Danny It's supposed to, you know, I keep saying teach because I I think I say teach because this movie was originally marketed to kids. So I feel like it's validated if I say that. But it was supposed to show the audience, whoever was watching it, that like, hey, sometimes it's okay to fuck up. Sometimes it's okay to not know what you're doing and all that. But like, it's okay, And you can kind of shed that skin and kind of figure out right from wrong in the end. Like, it's not supposed to be a thing where like this guy has all the answers and he's just a dick and wants to do it. It's like in trying to find where he belongs and where he feels right he makes some bad decisions along the way but does right. he redeem himself like absolutely you know
1: right wow well when yeah. confronted with everything going on too you know with 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 all the violence and him seeing it firsthand and everything it's like yeah it's that's where you draw the line you know i know a lot of people that are straight criminals that have been through the system or whatever And they've learned their lesson. You're talking about stuff in your early 20s when you're stealing stuff, when you get involved in drugs and you're not in your right state of mind. And now they're they're good. They have families. Like, they're upstanding citizens or whatever. So I always always see stuff like that in movies, and it started here. You know, this is one of the first movies I've ever seen. But uh, this is one of those movies where, yeah, you could always feel – the good, the bad, and like you said, the gray too. You know, and and where do you where do you stop that? Usually, people stop it at violence. You know, uh, robbing old ladies that's that's not a nice thing to do. <laughs>
2: well,
3: like like me, me and my old man, we certainly have our differences every once in a while. You know what I'm saying? And uh, a lot of it just comes down to different different philosophies and different ways of thinking, right. and motivating people, so on and so forth. But yep. what's interesting is is that scene in the end when Danny and his dad get back together and his dad just immediately it doesn't matter Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Danny's done all these horrible things he's been missing his dad just grabs him and he's like I've had the whole city looking for you and then like it just like that's such an emotional impactful moment like it's always struck me like wow you know
2: what I'm saying and even Danny's saying it's just Dan now he's like Dan <laughs> that's
1: what I say to people yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> and it's it's pretty interesting Uh, I've been listening to a lot of reviews of this movie recently and I'm going to say about 100% of the people reviewing this movie, they dismiss Danny and his father, Pennington, uh, all the time. They they say, and then there's a side story, but who gives a shit about Danny, but who cares? They always dismiss it. Well, he's so important.
3: Like, I mean, he's so important. It's like, um, you know... Because you want to have someone like that, that is like us. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody has fucked up. Everybody's been through these things. And it's kind of like you almost want Danny because he's supposed to be a teenager. Casey's supposed to be an adult. You almost want it to be like Casey could be or Danny could be like another Casey down the road or something like that. You know what I mean? And he's just a kid that's clueless and – Really, he just just like everyone, every other kid. He wants attention from his parents. He wants to feel loved, so on and so forth. And his dad's right. got other things going on. And the fact that anyone would dismiss that last scene, where his dad just grabs him and hugs him and holds him, it's ridiculous because that's supposed that is a centerpiece. Of the movie, like it's so important. It's such an important scene, and it goes into the whole thing of fathers and sons. Um, it's just a way of not showing it with a giant rat and a giant turtles, you know. Well, and well, dude, because that's
1: that's the moral part right there, right? And well, and that's being intercut with the turtles on the roof, and they're all hugging, and he's like kids, you know. And it's yeah. like and they're doing it on both both ends you know and and that that's the one element though that and this happens in a lot of movies where this will be the tipping point for me personally where you do have that emotional aspect and here's the thing you say teach you say learn stuff or whatever um you know a movie like this I love it when movies do it and they don't have to Spoon feed it. They don't have to give it to you. They don't have to mm-hmm. they don't have to, to shove it in your face like here it is. It is what it is. We're not going to preach about it. This is our movie and we're out. And, you know, it goes into the the rest of the franchise as well, too, because I think 2 has a little heart. 3 get the fuck out of here. We're not even talking about and anything anything else after it, you know, even the newer movies, the the Michael Bay movies. I'm sorry, but there's no heart in those. Those are action no. Crazy. That's a whole different animal. And, you know, I wanted to talk to you guys about this because obviously this, for me, and I'm assuming for you guys, this is the definitive version, this movie. you know, And I know there are sequels as well, but this is the definitive Turtles, correct? Oh, God, absolutely. Yeah, 100%, absolutely. right? Yeah, um,
3: yeah, for sure. And, like, you know, you talk about the Michael Bay movies. I've only seen the Michael Bay first one one time. I've never even seen the second one. But I remember one of the emotional points was Raph telling the guys he loved him. Well, there was all this crazy action shit going on, and it was like,
1: it's, yeah,
3: right. It's like, dude, choose your pick your point, like, because right. like you, there's a right way and a wrong way to go about that, and that was a hundred percent to me the wrong way. Like, hey, we're dying, so let me let you guys know. Like, well.
1: And, and he, here's my question, too. In all this chaos and there's so many different iterations, you know, we mentioned that TV show. You got the new movies. You got so many different versions of it. Right. Does this being the definitive one um, seeing those other ones, does it affect it? Do, like looking back, like is it tainted by 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 any sense of the imagination or can you see the movie for what it is? and it's it's its own thing and the rest of the movies the rest of the the iterations of this of this property does that affect it at all
3: no not for me because my 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 deal has always been like the Michael Bay movies to me it's not i'm not the guy that's like oh they ruined the turtles it's like He didn't ruin shit. He just made some bad decisions and made a movie I don't really love or appreciate or like. Probably, however, if that ruined the turtles, then dude, I got some bad news for you because I have a tape called "Coming Out of Our Shells" that is going that 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 is going to really ruin them. If you think it's ruined them when they're CGI and big, just wait till you see them with a star thing over their eye, like playing guitars and
1: singing songs, like so. Yeah. You
2: can count on us, yeah.
1: <laughs> I've, I've never seen that except for on a little bit piece of it on a documentary and what you guys were talking about before we started recording. And I I don't want to do it at all. The
2: Angry Video Game Nerd and Nostalgia Critic teamed up to review <laughs> the Turtles Coming Out of Their Shells tour. It's a must watch, dude. They are so funny. What do you mean it's a must
1: watch? <laughs> oh, you have to see no
2: their review of it. Not the, the, the
1: yeah, their reviews. Oh, yeah. the review of it. Okay.
2: Yeah. Now I'm a huge, huge probably more than I should be at my age, Turtles fan. Uh, in in every with every facet of it. Um I am well versed. I this year alone, I have seen on this date, it's only May. <laughs> I have seen every single episode of the 1987 cartoon this year alone. Yeah, you've been. How many seasons are there? Uh, Ten. Holy shit! Yeah, Uh, there was a lot, and I blasted through. And the only uh, weak ones were really when they went to Europe, which was like a weird thing they did. There was like uh, eight episodes there or something. And other they went to Upper Uncton. (laughs) Other than that, it was really good. I, I know everything about the 2003 cartoon, and then they made the new Nickelodeon show in 2012, which is really good, it's CGI, and it, dude, it's an homage to this movie. It's an homage to the 87 cartoon, it's an homage to the 2003, they, that was probably the greatest blend of everything you could possibly do.
1: Really, I was always turned off by it from the animation, but I'll check it out. What about Turtles Forever?
2: turtles forever is when they blended the 87 cartoon and the 2003 cartoon but back to the 87 cartoon having krang on that show is just a fucking spectacular move because he is like one of the greatest characters of the turtles ever and he (laughs) never comes back except for like a, a rare version of the comic books uh the archie there was like an archie comic of the turtles where he was there and uh, the new movie, he was there. But other than that, there is no such thing as the Crane character that is in that 87 cartoon. But uh, to answer your question, so being that well-versed on everything, I could tell you that when you uh, embark on any iteration of the Turtles, you become immersed in that iteration. You Nothing hurts. Even, let, let's simplify your question. Does the Part 3 movie hurt this movie? I don't think so. Not at so all. So there you go. So it's like, no, nothing hurts or taints anything because it. you're not doing that. You're just doing this. You know what I mean? So right, you right, you dismiss right, right. it just like you might dismiss like a bad movie of a franchise that you like.
1: Well, you know, technically it it's rebooted over and over and you get so many different versions of it. So... The only ones you could really compare is two and three because it's in the same continuity, right? Even if they did change up some of the voice actors and a lot of things changed, the, the look of the turtles, all these things changed, it's still within that same world. So if you could compare it to the other ones, like you said, even if you do take that third one, not nah, it doesn't affect that that original movie because here's the thing, man, and we keep going back to this, but it's just a fucking solid movie. And to pull off what they did just shows that it's it's an even better movie because something like that is hard to do. And they made it look so fucking easy that it's scary how how good some people can be and how also easy it is to get it wrong. You know, I see a lot of my favorite properties like as a kid, I was so amped for Spawn to come out. Like, do you remember Spawn, dude, watching it on HBO as a kid and being like, I should not be watching this. Like, this is so brutal. And then getting the movie or whatever. Like, I remember just the look of Spawn on screen was one of the coolest things ever. But I realized that was a shit movie from the jump. I was like, this just isn't my movie. Like, this is, I'm not feeling this. Like, it doesn't feel like the cartoon that I like and, and, and nothing about it. But at the same time, like I could, I I always thought I still bought fucking spawn toys and shit. Like I, I bought all those fucking figures and I love that shit. I love it to death, but no other franchise or no other movie, I should say has been, um, kind of (laughs) shown through me, you know, through toys and, uh, and and anything than this movie, you know, and, and me personally, and I, I'll, I'll say this straight out. I regret doing this. I do. I gave all my toys away uh-huh. to younger kids so they could enjoy. I know. Hopefully Little they'll master. appreciate them. Maybe it'll fi- <laughs> Maybe it'll spawn a new generation. I gave away all my Power Rangers too. The original oh. Megazord, every dude. And when I say I had everything, dude, I literally had like anything you could ever think of to a certain point. You know, you got the, you got the turtles van, right? You got, you got the sewers. Everybody had the sewer, the sewer places, place, right? Uh, the technodrome. I still have all these things, by the way. That's how oh I see. And that's what I was going to say. So I'm an idiot, but can you guys talk about uh, your collections? Do you guys have anything, uh, Alex? I think you have a thing or two. Maybe oh, in your God. House.
2: I have a very extensive collection of the turtles. Uh, I have the original Technodrome sewer playset. The Foot Clan's car. I have the mo- the modules they used to go underground in. I have the Turtle Blimp. Do you remember that? Um, oh, of course. I have the Knucklehead. Remember Krang's Knucklehead in that one episode, and that <laughs> yep. which had Casey Jones in it.
1: I'll say I'll say this too about uh, the playset, and we've talked about this before. One of the biggest disappointments in life is the fact that you cannot fit one of those original turtles down the sewer hole. <laughs> it won't let. It's, it's just, the shell is just a little big. It always made me so mad. I'm like, how am I supposed to believe this? It's like Talk on Razor in part two trying to get in this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trying, trying to get in. The- no, wow, that's exactly what it was. It's exactly. Rack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about you, Aaron? Do you have anything uh, turtle related? Oh,
3: yeah. I mean, right behind me, I got the baby turtle accessory set that comes with baby turtles and a slice of pizza. Um, uh, I still have a lot of my toys from when I was a kid, including, like, the figures from Part 2 that are super realistic-looking and, like, worth a lot of money. Now, none of my kids' stuff is in the box. I mean, it's like, like... I probably got arms and shit missing and stuff like yes, that. Like, I, I definitely so. lived my toys and played with them. Um, I think I told you guys earlier, Alex and I both have the Casey Jones mask. Um, I take it really serious. Um, <laughs> so, like, I have my Casey Jones mask and I sleep with it beside my bed because I'm and I have a ninja sword under my bed too because like if a robber or something comes in it's on because he wishes a motherfucker would I'm just like (laughs) (laughs) class is pain 101 (laughs) Uh, yes (laughs) but uh but yeah I mean I don't my Alex has like the king of collections he'll send me stuff that he's got and I'm just like wow (laughs) like that's insane I want to get that like you know what I mean like I uh I need to be more. I need to be less frugal or whatever, and just get <laughs> exactly all the shit he's got. Just get it, man.
1: If you uh, guys will uh, take some pictures of your stuff too, and we're gonna create a uh, thread when we drop this show on the Cut to the Chase page, so everybody can show all their all their dude. Kind of shit. Yeah, Alex, we we gotta both
3: put pictures of our of our Casey masks on and stuff. Oh, oh that, that's gonna dude. be on
2: the cover of this this show. Yes,
3: because I got I got a picture of me wearing the mask and holding some Totino's pizzas.
2: Oh, wow. I yeah, can do
1: that the, part. I can we, hold we, some pizza. Which
2: is way better than... Dan will hold the
1: pizza. Yeah, I'll hold the Giordo pizza. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, no, we all... Quick story, we all tried to have pizza, you know, and we're, you we're got recording it. on a Saturday morning. How Perfect is that? Ninja Turtles, Saturday morning, eating pizza on the Ninja Turtles review. Unfortunately, Alex... <laughs> had some troubling uh, circumstances and set of events that happened which uh, basically ended with DiGiorno pizza and I'm sorry about that Alex.
3: Oh Alex you have to tell this story. because (laughs) like I love because I can feel your heartbreak when this happens. Especially because you built it up so much that morning. I think maybe the night before you texted me, you're like, I'm going to eat this many slices, and yeah. I'm not eating all day. I'm going to fast till I get the pizza.
1: That's, that's the part of the story that when you were just telling it to us before we started the show, Alex, that's the part that you didn't even say, but I knew because you told us. You were like... I cannot wait for this pizza. I'm going to starve myself all day. And then... And I did. So I starved myself all
2: day because I'm going to order a large pie with extra cheese and pepperoni. Go all out. And the reason why is because I was going to watch part two Ninja Turtles with Kevin Eastman, like I mentioned earlier. And this is part one of my two-parter pizza party, which next week or uh, tomorrow is going to be with April O'Neill, Judith Hogue. So... Uh, you know, I get everything ready. got my laptop so I can do Facebook Live. I got the Blu-ray going for part two. We're all set to do this. I order a pizza. And, you know, with the conditions that are out there now, you know, things are different. Things are slower. And more people uh, have less places to go out to eat. So now more people are getting pizza and pizza-like things, I guess, at this point. So I order the pizza uh, 40 minutes before we're supposed to start this go live watch party. The lady says to me, okay, that'll be 45 minutes, which is already double what it's normally. And this is because this, this party started at seven o'clock at night. So me doing this at six 20 is just makes it worse. You know, you gotta get these things done early at this point. So my wife says don't worry you'll be able to do your watch party uh, I'll go and get your pizza for you and I was like thanks so much wow that made things so much easier thank you so much for for doing that for me you're great uh, you're, <laughs> right? you're amazing oh thank god now I won't miss a thing I'll get my nice large pepperoni extra cheese pie This and this place is amazing this pizza so I was so excited uh, last time I was there no like two weeks ago I noticed that when I bought a pizza later in the the night, like around 530, I noticed that I had to stand outside on line and there was about like eight people in front of me. And I was, and the line really didn't move too quickly. I was there for 10, 15 minutes before I even got inside to to say, this is the one I ordered and pay for it. Um, My wife goes out, the door closes and I go, hey, and now she's behind something else. so I can't see her. She goes, babe, cancel your order. And, uh, and I hear her carrying something somehow, though. In, in an instant, I couldn't tell if she was joking. I thought the big surprise would be, I'm just kidding. So she walks in, and I see in her hands two personal DiGiorno pizzas. It's just as good. It's not delivery. It's Yeah, it's not delivery. This is DiGiorno. Not what I ordered. She says, "Hun." There were 35 people on a line outside. I stood there for 10 minutes and did not move. She goes, I'm not doing that. So right there, I remember I knew you know what I went through two weeks earlier. So I knew exactly what she was saying. And my whole heart sank. This, The fact that I'm not getting the taste and the experience I thought I was going to get <laughs> and instead were heating up the oven was just devastating to me. Right. Then what I come to find out is I say, I'm not even canceling it. You cancel it. I don't even care to tell him anything because I was so pissed. She goes to cancel it. And this is something I didn't tell you guys. uh They didn't even start making it yet.
1: No! Wow. <laughs> 55 minutes later. They didn't even make my pot. They're like you're watching this for the uh, Ninja Turtles review tomorrow, right? Yeah, we'll we'll have it by then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're they're making the pizza for the
2: Judith Hogue pizza party, not the Kevin <laughs> Eastman one. And so maybe by then,
3: yeah. <laughs> now, did she not think that like an alternate option might be like ordering Domino's or just ordering delivery from somewhere or something like that? Like, what made her? I want to know what made her fall on. DiGiorno. Like did she? The commercials really get her to where she was like, oh,
1: this will be just as good. That's a that's a panic, and I'm going to the store. No,
2: well, right <laughs> across the street from the pizza place is Walgreens, so she just ran in there, and she's been going there a lot lately since this whole thing started to like grab things real quick. So her idea was, he's not going to wait another hour for Domino's. So you know what? Let's. I'm just going to bring him this. So it. I didn't get what I wanted. I got DiGiorno.
1: Oh, man. And it's it is. We joke, though, but it is like an important part. You know, it's it's things like that that really like shape my 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 memories and memories of movie viewing experiences. You know, we talked about this last time uh, that we podcasted about I used to order Domino's and watch Days of Confused. And it was like a thing because I always it was like this melancholy thing where I felt sad because I wanted to be out partying like like the people that I was watching. So it always brought me back to a place where, yeah, I watched Days of Confused and I kind of found my love of movies through that, you know? And and realizing like, ah no, I don't really want to be out partying. Like I'm so content just sitting here eating pizza, watching <laughs> my favorite movies. And the Ninja Turtles was 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 like that as well. And uh, you know, it's <laughs> we we do joke, but Uh, I know all of us since just just by the sheer fact that we're doing it on a Saturday morning, like Saturday morning cartoons. That tells me everything I need to know in terms of our our seriousness, uh, our level of seriousness that we have with nostalgic things. Like it plays such a big part in it, I think. Like it
3: like the gesture that your wife did. It is so sweet and so nice. Like, I don't want to leave that out. But at the same time, like, <laughs> I'm sure if my girlfriend, like, sent me out to get some, like, get her some Sour Patch Kid something, and I came back with raisins, she would look at me like I had two heads.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Come back with a Slim Jim.
0: Like,
1: <laughs> like, like just time. as good. Yeah, well, right? You know, we've been <laughs>
2: praising this movie and all that great stuff, but we can have some fun with it. Uh, there, I notice I a lot of, uh, you know... Skeleton crew listeners who have moved on to cut to the chase, because obviously Dan, um, they they remember what the fuck moments.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, let's bring that back.
2: <laughs> As I was watching, I was wondering why is Raff following April around the city, like hiding behind the newspaper, and everything. What was he gonna approach her and ask for his side back? Like, what exactly was he doing at that moment? Is I, something I wondered. He's like, I'm a ninja. Oh, wait, I'm an oversized turtle though.
1: <laughs> like, yeah,
2: you're right. Like yeah. yeah, I think he was just trying to get that side back. Yeah. Danny calls out to the Shredder and lets him know that he saw the turtles in April's apartment. And then, uh, out of all the people, he has the balls to ask if he could <laughs> stay there in the sewer with him. Right, the little snitch. Yeah, he's the reason it's trash like that. And, the, and Splinter was kidnapped. Right, he's the reason Splinter was kidnapped. Yeah. Give me back my $20, asshole. Don't the turtles wonder how the hell he even knows about the sewer? Don't you ask, hey, why are you down here? How do you know about this place? Doesn't that come up? And then he has to say, well, I actually am a part of the Foot Clan that invaded it.
1: <laughs> he's like, actually, I'm a homeless bum. I live down here, too.
2: Yeah, he just happens to, to do that. I think he's so important, though, to it.
3: It is. I think I, I, it's like he his... I feel like I like I totally agree with you like his his point in the movie and his place in the movie was to move the plot along but I feel like if you really look at it and you look at it unobjectively um, he does he has so much more than that yeah. too oh yeah. yeah so much
1: especially with that scene at the end too though you know you don't forget yep. that that turned a, a, a good portion of them, and that really acted like the like yeah you're right we're kind of kind of running over that part of the movie but yeah they realized he ain't shit now obviously there's there's a lot more impressionable people and hence the sequel because he's got he's building another foot clan again well let's even
3: remember a good percentage of the dialogue with splinter was with danny and and danny was almost a vehicle for splinter like as far as um, you know teaching lessons and stuff
1: Yeah,
2: I I would agree. Totally. Yep. And I got uh, Casey Jones sees foot soldiers climb up the ladder on the side of the building and goes to the trouble of hopping in a garbage truck, getting that to work, backing (laughs) it up so he could knock two foot soldiers off of a ladder. (laughs) Like, (laughs) wow, that is a lot to do to do such a small task. And that is, of course, it comes into play later, though. So, of course, you know, what are you going to say? Oh yeah, that brings it right under it. Right, yeah. Right, yeah. Right, right. Okay. So, yeah. Um, Leonardo is taken <laughs> down and Shredder says he dies and the turtles are just kind of like staring daydreaming at this fight like and they're like, "Huh?" Like, "What? Why are you surprised? What bat what kind of battle did you think you were having here?" What did you think Shredder would do? Get you all to the point of just getting you into submission and going, all right, you learned your lesson or what? Now get out of here. Right. Like, why were they all so surprised that he said he dies? Shouldn't you have already been looking at this? Like, oh God, look—he's about to stab him in the throat. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. I guess
1: we lost this one. <laughs> yeah, like it's so funny. And and I know uh, this is going to be very brief, but let's talk about that real quick too, because it's that—it's that real feeling. It's that you know, like somebody could die in this movie. That I think is is a big portion of it, and the the main point being the lack of weapons in two. Like, they took away those swords. They took away everything. Like, I think think Donatello got to keep his stick. Yeah, they allowed that. Any sharp weapons. And if you guys know,
2: Michelangelo's nunchucks were banned. They were considered illegal. So if you pay attention to the 87 cartoon from season four and on, Michelangelo has a grappling hook. Really? That's all he does, swing this thing around, little turtle shell and little spikes to grab on. I remember that. I do remember
1: that. I remember that. Wow. This all
2: happened around this time, so he wasn't allowed to use his nunchucks. So look how lucky we are that we got in this movie that didn't all happen yet. And Michelangelo had full use of his nunchucks in this original movie. Right. (laughs) Another thing that separates it. So why would Shredder charge... At somebody when he's on top and he's charging towards the edge of a building. <laughs> right. right. Like going that fast. Like, what is he thinking? Like, that cannot be part of the ninja uh, handbook, right? He's excited, man. He's like, that's the motherfucker that did this to my face.
3: Yeah. Right? <laughs> Can I say this? Do you guys feel the epicness of, you know, when they come back into town and basically the foot soldiers. Um, storm the sewer for the second time to like finish the job and those foot soldiers just get fucked up. Yeah. Um, can you yep. feel the epicness? Cause one of my favorites Dude. in history of getting shit done when the music hits and the ter- and like the foot soldiers Dude. crawling out of the sewer, they're yes. like, get me the hell out of here. Like well, it's like and like they're Dude. crawling out like get me like these we're
1: getting our asses kicked. Like I love that vibe so much. Dude, it it goes back. It goes back to the farm scene, you know, and and it's like it's that it's that point in the movie where everybody gets to to regroup and they take their take their last stand. Yeah, and they're they're reinvigorated, and there's even that scene where they're all just standing there, and he's like, "We got to go back," and where you're just like, "Yes." What do you guys think about that scene, though? A lot of people view that as the lull in the movie. Okay, but it's necessary. No, see that that's the point though where you set up the final act and you, you you're faced with okay, let's let's reassess, look at everything we got, and we're going full force now. And listen, it happens in movies a lot where where it'll it'll happen a little too early, you know. This happens this happens and when they kick off the end of the movie. It just feels so... I know what you're saying. They slow it down. You need to. You need to slow it down. It's almost like the roller coaster just going to the top, like clicking, click, click, and then right before it's everything. They go to get Splinter. Wrath is back. They're fucking fighting again. Wrath at full strength. Like, dude, uh, I, and that's what I'm saying, Aaron. I totally feel it. No,
3: I feel like the people that say it's a lull are the ones that... Don't take the movie like serious, or the ones that want just action and turtles and this and that, and they're like, It's needed, not taken, they're not taking it apart. The, the storytelling, and I don't know who's reviewing these movies, like, I'll be quite honest, like, I don't listen to reviews or watch reviews or whatever I mean, the Angry Video Game Nerd thing is awesome but, like, unless unless it has Alex, Dan, Jamie, Jerry <laughs> Ann, or Matt on it like, I'm probably not gonna be watching too, listening to too many reviews, cause, like There's very few people that, like, value the little things or value the lore, so to speak, the way I do than the way you guys do as well. So, (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And and it's needed. Like I said, it's it's right before everything. And, you know, if you have nothing but nonstop action and whatever and, and everything that comes after that, too. It is. It's great. Like you said, they kick so much ass when when they send all the smoke in and stuff like that. Um, they do a similar scene when they're doing the foot training, and he gets all the bells and all that. And and it's just so dope. Like the way they set everything up at the end there. And yeah, it's like it's full force. Like let's let's get these motherfuckers. Like we gotta Everybody get this it's, bitch. It's time to go back. Like yes, you know, you, know like. you feel it. And and dude, that fight scene is dope. Like you said, when they're all. Climbing out of the sewers. <laughs> like, it's just, it's so dope. I love it. I absolutely love it. And then setting up the end there, like we said as well, it's, it's, that music, like you said, when that kicks in, it's over. Let's talk about
2: that. Like, that intro music, that da da it's weird because I, you've obviously never heard it before. That was all new music, but why did it feel... So familiar to the original cartoon theme. It just feels so natural. It does, right? It feels like no, this is definitely the turtle. Like, like as a kid, the ten-year-old me may have been sitting there expecting Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant But when I heard,
3: like, it doesn't feel dated either to me.
2: No. And it doesn't no. feel out of place at all. It's like it's the only music that could have been there. Right. Oh right. yeah. I and guess. that and like when it
3: plays in that scene we're talking about, like when it plays in the beginning, you feel like it's on and then when it plays at the end when they're crawling out of the sewers, it's like, man, they're back. They're back. Like this is so great and Like that, like that scene to me, like, uh, like to relate to Dan a little bit here. Like, do you remember how you always say, like, in X2 when X Men, the mansion scene with Wolverine and all that stuff? Like, this is on level with that, yes. Like, this is like that kind of thing where it's like, man, they're just on fire. Like, yep,
1: this is Avengers Assemble scene, basically, you know, and and that, that's I don't know, it's. It's that aspect of movies like that though, where like, you know, same thing in, in in Age of Ultron, they go to the farm and they just regroup and then and you can just feel it and and it's fun and it provides um I don't know, it just provides you this this feeling like you're on a ride. You know, like like mm-hmm. you're go you're going exactly where the filmmakers wanna take you, you know? And and yeah, that's honestly it's probably one of my favorite parts of the movie, if not the the best part of the movie, was when it transitions from everything going to shit, Splinter's gone, Raph's gone. What are we going to do? Revamp? Raph gets better? Let's get these motherfuckers. I and just like, love it.
3: To piggyback on what Alex said, like, about the music, like, it just feels Dude. right. You know what I mean? Like, it just yep. doesn't, like, it's... Like, that's the Ninja Turtle theme for me, yeah. more so than even the the TV show theme. Even though the TV show theme is, like, the iconic one and people can right. sing it that aren't even Turtles fans, there's just something about the soundtrack in this movie. Everything from the... To the, like, slow, meaningful music, like, you know, right. you know what I mean? Like, right. they really... Man, they just had... This movie was so dialed in. And... Yep. It's, it's unreal and, and you know the whole movie in, in a way it's just sitting here thinking about what you just said a second ago about like you feel like they've re- re- they're have they revamped like the characters in this movie all feel like they have some sort of thing where they get revamped like I mean yes. Turtles Danny um, you know even Splinter so so to speak like they're, they're, there seems like a thing where this it just has such character growth within however long the time frame of the movie is it's
2: crazy dude right I, I would totally agree with that. Yep. Yeah. I just, the music just did set such a tone. And I mean from beginning to end, all of the music, all of it. Uh, the music in the fight in April's apartment, the music when the turtles are training on the farm, the music when Splinter's telling his stories about the turtles origins or when he's telling the story about, uh, you know, when he's talking to Danny. Um, mm-hmm. All of it is epic, iconic, um, and Waxwork record. It was never released until Waxwork Records put it on vinyl um and they made a cd and they all sold out pretty instantly i can imagine man yeah and the artwork is amazing for the vinyl too you gotta check it out i think it's all on youtube all the music though somebody uploaded it's there so you could hear the whole soundtrack without anything you know it's it's amazing i talked to somebody at waxwork records and they say that's one of the titles that we're planning on re-releasing Oh. So you'll be able to get it on CD or vinyl, whatever you're into, uh, pretty soon. Because I remember I just had the soundtrack where it was like the MC Hammer song. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. I always loved looking at uh, <laughs>
3: looking at all the people in the movie, like a bunch yeah. of the the kids that hung out with the Foot Clan, all that stuff, especially towards the end, and spotting out like all their Megadeth shirts and all the like oh, shirts of the yeah.
1: time. Yeah. And I was like, man, these cool cool kids, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> You, you know what I noticed today too you know you watch movies and you're still picking up things uh the the creators um Kevin Eastman and Peter is it laird Laird yeah yeah Laird okay uh he says uh Sam Rockwell oh and by yep. the way I said uh Elias Codius was the best actor. I'm sorry. I forgot about Sam Rockwell, so he's the second best. But uh, he says, check out the warehouse on Lairdman Island. And I never noticed that because I didn't East know. The
3: Warehouse on Lairdman
1: Island. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So cool. So cool. I love that kind
2: of stuff. Um, the tone of Shredder, we didn't really talk about, like, how imposing and scary he is, especially as a kid. Like, even when he's like, no mistakes. This time I'd go myself. And the rat, kill it. You know, this is a kid's movie. Right. And a rat, the rat, kill it, you know? And from from oh, from Jump, Shredder going, find her, silence her. Everything, the way he fought. And one of the best fighting scenes to me is when he, Leonardo's coming out with both swords, like, straight ahead. He just, like, kind of swings around and Leonardo, like, circle flips. Yes. You know? Like, you know, yes. uh, he's doing a 360 dive or something. Yeah. And it's very dark. You guys notice how darkly this is shot? Yes. And I love it. I love it. it. The textures you can feel. It's the way it needed to be. Look at part two. Part two is all bright and colorful. Even their masks are very bright and colorful. Right. They got more spots on their face. It all feels, that's the lived in part and the gritty part and the realistic part. That lighting that was captured and the way things were shot. And and things were shot. They, there, if you notice, there's not many close-ups in the fighting scenes, which they do a lot. Like even um, Nolan's Batman movies, a, a lot of those scenes are so close-up, and it, a lot of it they say is to hide bad fight. Yeah, it's all you see. And a lot a <laughs> lot of it is to hide bad choreographing and bad absolutely like the absolutely. Jason Bourne movies. Like are just like so yes, same thing. So close-up. And this one they let you watch it. It's usually a wide shot or it's like a medium shot but you could see what's going on and think of how they're doing it these are guys
1: in like 400 pound costumes and they're still letting us see this yeah and and you talked about you know the the realness of it too you got that foot soldier dude that swings the axe and gets electrocuted like like holy shit this is a kid's movie like it's kind of crazy but i'll also say too This was more of a theme at the end of two, but it's also pretty prevalent in this throughout, which is I love how they use being a turtle to their advantage. Like when when one of them swings and the head goes in the shell. Like I love that scene. That's an iconic scene. Yes. And so there's that scene. There's the one where he gets his head dunked in the thing and he's just chilling and he's like, I don't care it's water right back at him like bitch i'm a turtle and then obviously right. in the second one they bring the house down and they can float and obviously you know you stuff know, like that but yeah
3: you know an obvious point that just struck me when you said that that we yeah. haven't even brought up yet so, like the probably one of the most jarring points of this that i'm sure every podcast out there brings up but it shows how different we are um
1: cory feldman right feldman, yeah feldman, i wonder feldman. i wonder if he met uh kevin what's his name elmo
2: Oh, wow.
3: Oh, wow. sorry.
1: Man, that, It's wow. crazy, because
3: I always thought Donatello sounded like a
2: burnout 80s coke. Addiction. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that that kind of messed up part two for me when his voice was replaced because he got way into drugs during part... Uh, a year later, imagine that. He couldn't even
1: hold imagine
2: off. It. Yeah, he got into drugs, so they replaced his voice, but they brought him back in part three as if that could save that movie. And they even brought... Casey Jones back in Part Three, which he was totally wasted. That's like the prime example of wasting an amazing actor and character. Right. Yep. Like they, wow, they had him playing like a
1: dual role basically too. It was oh, real. that's right of the yeah. Oh, what a. I don't even want to think about that movie. That's a whole different animal. <laughs> yeah. No, I just I don't know. Every every character in this movie, I just love so much. um for me it's obviously been like a huge staple of my life I know there's a, there's a couple of little little facts that I found out about it well first of all it made a lot of money made for thirteen and a half million uh the box office uh, was two hundred two that's fucking a lot where's Jamie Wow. Jamie was here to do the math for the 90s, yeah, that's thirty years <laughs> ago that's
2: that's double it's like almost five hundred million
1: dollars that's like, Isn't that insane? That's a lot of fucking money. So say what you will, but this this made a lot of money, and it was the highest-grossing independent film for nine years running after that until the Blair Witch fucking knocked it out. Wow. wow. That's insane. Like, think about that. And, you know, I heard this on a documentary as well, and I'll reiterate it. Uh, it's very evident that the, 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 the people that made this movie – uh, were were fans of of the franchise. You know, they took things from the cartoon. They they made it in its own as well, though. They realize what it is and fitting into the world. I think is probably the hardest part. Making us believe that this is a real thing and making us feel things. Like I said, they make this look easy. I guarantee it's not this easy. You know. No. They also though with the um. With the with the costumes, you know, you got the face mask, uh, the the, the animatronic, you know, helmet looking yeah, things. Yeah, Jim Henson. Let's mention Jim Henson, man.
2: Yeah, totally.
1: One of his last things he did before he died, too. Yeah, because in
2: part two, it opens up with in memory of Jim Henson, right? When they're showing exactly. the, the Twin Towers in the beginning, and that's cool because this movie opens up with the Twin Towers, in this movie a very far shot. Uh, daytime shot of the Twin Towers and then the second movie it's a nighttime shot way more prominent. Yeah, yeah. But having the Twin Towers in this movie too as a kid, I remember when I kept watching this movie in my 20s, I kind of got more into the Towers than you could, than you would imagine somebody did after that all happened and uh, I started noticing them a lot more in movies. Oh man, yeah. Yeah, right? And then when I watched this again after that, I was just like, yeah. <laughs> you know, even capturing that moment in time of, of life when things were actually nice, I was like, wow, this is just epicness.
1: yeah and, and you mentioned the um, you know even the opening shot of New York during the day and you said New York as as a character in itself and you know uh, we said this in the beginning of the show where you go into it and they don't even they don't even set up the turtles right away. They set up the city and, and the crime going on in the city. Right. That that sequence in itself, when you get the ninja hand that comes out and takes the wallet, it's just so engaging. And the lady watching TV and she comes back yeah. and the TV's missing. Like, hey. She's just yes, it's so hey. good. And the guy in his uh, his truck, he literally leaves for 10 seconds and his whole truck is just emptied out. And, and it was just such a cool concept, I thought, just like, oh, man, these kids being trained as ninjas in the city, like, that's so badass. Right. But then the, even more badass is the fact that, no, nah, now we get some turtles, some righteous fucking ass dudes that, that, that uh, are their adversity. And that in itself is such a cool dynamic between the turtles and the foot. And then obviously, like we said, you add in the classic villain shredder, Tatsu, Casey Jones, all these fucking characters that are just so rich in, in in themselves, and I I honestly think too that the script, while so simplistic, and we talked about you know obviously the the farm scene, well, like you said, all these different types of things, I think it's it's one of the most perfect scripts because of its simplicity of its. Of its kind of hey, this is the story that we're telling, and then that's it. I don't know about you guys, but for me, like even just looking forward to doing this podcast that we've been waiting to do for so long, like this is everything yeah. that I that I wanted it to be and everything I thought it could be. Honestly,
3: oh yeah, just like you, Dan. Every time I watch it, I'm like never like oh man, seen this a hundred times. Every time I watch it, I'm like God, I'm so entrenched.
1: Right. and I love it. Love it, man. Absolutely love it. All right, guys, um, I know this is kind of unnecessary, but we're going to do this anyways. So by ratings of slices of pizza, what did you give this out of five, Aaron Duncan? This is a five with extra cheese,
3: extra sauce, extra toppings, extra pizza, pizza on top of pizza. This movie is an absolute five for me. I mean, there's no two ways around it. It's one of my favorite films of all time. It makes me feel something that films rarely 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 make me feel i mean it is um i you know the thing is is we're probably going on over two hours here of talking about it and i could probably continue talking about it for another 24 like i mean the thing is is there's the movie's absolutely to me it's for me personally it's perfect i love this movie um i can't say enough good things about it um you can listen to it and hear my enthusiasm probably in it so
2: yeah um, Yeah, I, too, give this five DiGiorno slices, man. This is (laughs) – no, I would never do that. Uh, No, I give it the peeps I should (laughs) have had. No, this is a five, top five movie for me. This shaped my entire childhood and continued to shape my life. Um, Movies like this and just the Turtles in general is why I think I'll always be a kid at heart. When something is that good, it's hard to grow out of it. This was the movie that, if it wasn't done exactly like it was, lit the way it was, the music like it was, the story as it was, the emotional depths it brought to it, the layers it had in there, and the way everybody brought it to life and the way it felt lived in, it wouldn't have struck me like it did. And that does not come along often and uh this is a special movie, and just talking about the sequels after it, even the one that's not so bad it it's still <laughs> talking about that brings up how good this is and what that was lacking, right, and how it's still not good compared to this um so yeah, five out of five all the way all the all the toppings Michelangelo said on the phone when he was ordering that pizza, <laughs> and he got the book thrown at him. And, uh, and yeah, when they got the pizza, none of those
1: things were on it. So go figure. <laughs> Never got a Domino's pizza that looked that good. Yes. Uh, I as well give it five slices. But they're the five slices from part two with the oh, cheese. Oh, baby. Yeah, Luigi. it's those. It's those slices. And we'll talk about the sequels very briefly after my rating here. But yeah, no surprise. It's a five. Um, and I'm glad you said that because about the sequel – uh, Alex, because more than anything, it provides context, right? So you, you get to see uh, you know different iterations of it, which uh, you know it therefore makes you appreciate the, the the one that is superior, the one that's good, and 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 reaffirms why you love it. Like, oh, okay, that's a fucking terrific movie. Like, I don't care if if people want to dismiss this because it's like. Oh it's a it's a child thing like it's a Power Ranger thing or a Ninja Turtles that they fight and and this and that cuz there is that aspect of it and that can never be denied but you also need a good movie around it like Aaron mentioned earlier there's also the Power Rangers movie hey guess what? I love the Power Rangers movie. That movie fucking blows, dude. That's not a good movie. It's not, dude, they're they're fucking skydiving. And then Tommy comes in on his fucking board, dude. Like, it's just so ridiculous. So this is a good movie and I can recognize a good movie when I see it. And it's good to know that I recognized it even back then when I first saw it. And, and it's amazing to me that it's, it's held up all these years, because I've seen so many movies and it's still top five. On any given day, it'll be my number one even. Like, I just love this movie so much. Um, Does that love continue into the sequels? Um, I don't know, let's see. Alex, how about for you? Briefly on the topic, we'll hit two first. Um, How did you feel when you first saw Secret of the Ooze? Uh, As a kid, I thought it was great. I thought it was like the best
2: thing in the world. Um, the only downside, obviously, there's no Bebop and Rocksteady because um, I think the producers or somebody or somebody talked to Kevin Eastman and, and Pierre Laird and said, well, let's create even more, you know, because at that time, even on the cartoon, they were creating new villains all the time. Right. And it's like, well, we already sold Bebop and Rocksteady. So make two more guys we could sell, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. So that was a downer. But, and also it was a big downer not to have the original April O'Neil in the movie. Right. As a kid, though, I was able to get past it because, you know, you know, the con, you know, it's April O'Neil, you-, you know, her role. And then you're just glad to see Turtles again. I was so happy Shredder was back. Tatsu was back. Yep. The voices were all back except for Donatello. Um, even Chief Stearns was back.
1: Um, I thought Kino was a good addition too. What do you? Kino,
2: great addition. As a kid, um, yeah. as a kid, you wanted to be Kino because you got—he's your vehicle to that world, you know. And like, wow, it's like it, when he helps Raphael infiltrate the Foot sh- Soldier area. Uh, it's like I, it's like I did, you know, because now I'm I'm there and we're in that facility with him. So it's like I did it. Right. I thought it. Basically just as good as the first one and things like that. Uh, Definitely a different tone. The lighting is bright and fun and daytime shots. And Shredder looks like the cartoon version of him and all that. Except for that weird (laughs) helmet he had. (laughs) With the (laughs) roof shingles? Yeah, the shingles. I thought I was looking at my roof. (sighs) But as you get older, it's still an enjoyable movie. It is. Things like that. I do like it and I will watch it once every two years. Still
1: can i can i go off your point and say i think it's actually more enjoyable than one what it's more enjoyable but one is the better movie by far i think like number two i just have fun with like it just seems like a more light-hearted version and and the vanilla ice stuff i mean obviously that's classic um Kino, I think is a great addition and I and I like the way that they worked him into the story I just thought the story was uh, was was very um it, it felt very vibrant but its it also goes into cartoon territory you know I think of the big flower and and all these kind of things and there's a lot going on in in that story you know there's a lot of of plot you know devices and things that that change or whatever. Um, it's just a fun watch for me, but by far the first is a superior film as I, well.
2: I know what you're saying. Yeah. What were you gonna say, Aaron? Because I know what he's saying technically. Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah,
3: totally. It's like a it's like a fun it's a fun watch and enjoyable, like in the way Freddy vs Jason is. You know, correct. What I mean? like, perfect, dude. Perfect. Yes. Like, um, not that it's better than any of the no. previous Nightmare or Friday movies. It's just fun. No, you know what I'm saying? You don't take it too serious, but like. Yeah, that movie definitely has some what-the-fuck moments, for sure. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But, like, I'm in the, you know, it's a halfway point. Like, you know how we were talking about how we love the Power Rangers movie for pure nostalgia, but you watch it and you're like, damn. Like, this is so (laughs) So, rough. But, like, that movie, it's not all the way to that tipping point. You can still watch it and you're still kind of like, you know, it's got a little more, it's a little more, like, you know, junior-fied and all that stuff right. it's, it's got a little bit more of the campiness however do, do I enjoy watching this? Am I gonna watch it again in Alex's case two years? Yeah, totally I mean, right. it has some stuff that's a little more adult-oriented, like, you know, Keno makes a fat joke about those chicks in the beginning Oh, I dream of something a little thinner, that's yeah. right Yeah, He's like, if I did have something <laughs> a little thinner, that's like, uh, it's like damn, dude is the son. man yeah, yeah, and so, you know, there's there's definitely some great aspects to it. Um, yeah. Is it as awesome, as epic, as serious as the first movie? Um, no. Like, no. But, like, I'll put it like this. Uh, the first movie is something I would show to someone who's, like, a hard-nosed movie critic or whatever that, like, really has no interest in the Ninja Turtles. I would be like, I will show uh, this to you, I... and think that if you have half a brain, you'll enjoy this. You'll I, see. I, I would not do that with the second movie.
1: Uh, (laughs) I honestly think that both movies are reflected in their intros of the turtles, you know? And and my love of them, and they both make perfect sense. First one, you see the shadows, right? Logo pops up, they jump on screen. You know, perfect. Like it's just, the the way it builds up, I I absolutely love. Now the second one, if you look, the, the introduction to the turtles, you see their feet coming down the stairs they, they start running oh, down so the stairs cool. oh. it's so that's what dude thank you that's what i'm saying it's so dope it's like it's not the same but then they all jump up and it's like yo like this is so not as good not like not as as perfect but so much fun and when I saw their feet running down the stairs, I was like, "Yo, There's are like guys coming to save the day." It made you feel like, oh, like, like you weren't supposed to see that or something. But here they come, and then they just, you know, wreak havoc without their weapons.
2: It, it's <laughs> it's kind of like a it's excitement over quality. Totally. Yeah. It's it's, it's, it's the more exciting one. It's more happens. You think.
1: Yeah, and here's one of those things too. When I'm talking about movies like this, like it's all love. We're talking about different levels of love now, and like seeing things for what they are. I could totally see it for what it is, you know. And it's the first one is superior on so many levels as a film, you know. But in in two, like when when they when they capture it, like a little too rough. Like oh, that is like the
2: this. best line of the movie. That whole setup. 2 definitely has that Back
3: to the Future 2 effect where Light. you see Back to the Future 2 and it's so bright and you got all the crazy, you got the hoverboard and the, all the cool yep. stuff in the future. Like as a kid, it's hard not to be like, wow, this is great. But then when you start thinking about story and context a little bit, it's like man, that first one's pretty flawless. Like, I mean it's almost, they mirror each other in that sense.
2: Yeah. it's, it's There's a lot of movies part 1 and Twos that are exactly, like you could even think of Terminator 1 and 2 that oh, way. Oh, totally. But the only difference is Terminator 2 is far superior than Turtles and Back to the Future Part 2. Uh, right. And it, it, <laughs> yes. could, it could be seen as more superior than the original Terminator, only because of the budget and all the same people working on it, all the same people are there, uh, all that
1: kind of stuff. So at least that's an actual rival. That to me defines like what a sequel is. Everything's kind of ramped up. Things get a little crazy. Even when they're they're fighting the foot in a lab, like in, in that weird. Yeah, that
3: lab that, is so like lab looking for that, a kid. exactly.
1: Again, Can you imagine that we go from an antique store to a lab? Like it, so, it's just it's a completely different movie in every sense. But again. It makes you appreciate the first one for what it is, but this is just kind of like, I, it, it's weird. But I also, I kind of think of it like an alternate universe. Like
3: that <laughs> lab looks like a fake lab setup, like at Universal Studios when you're waiting in line at a ride. Like that's what exactly what that.
1: Looks that like. lab is at the Boston
3: Science Museum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's not forget. Yeah. yeah, let's not forget the line,
1: babies. <laughs> they're babies. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> when he when he tries to feed him the donuts with the pills and stuff like that, like it's just so ridiculous. Like I don't know, I I just I love that movie though. And then I love how at the end too, it's it's both versions of the of each animal when, when this right. Vanilla Ice is playing in the background and they hit him with the shit and it's all the animals combined. Like it's just a wacky. Kind of movie. It's more. It, it, it seems like it takes more. Obviously, from cartoonish things, it gets into more sci-fi stuff with Toka and Razor, and obviously Super Shredder. I mean, it's it's well, literally they just, just. they yeah, didn't realize really yeah, yeah, him that much. They didn't. He didn't do anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he just he just tore. It.
2: Yeah, he just tore everything down the same way he did WCW and just Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I think if that movie had Judith Hogue, if it had Corey Feldman, and it had Bebop and Rocksteady, we'd have a whole different conversation right now. I agree. And if they really
3: would have let Super Shredder be more, you know, more in it, like he looks great and it's really cool, but it's like we get like three minutes of him just basically three like, minutes. I yeah. think
2: we get ninety no, seconds. You know, um, there's
3: like there's no way he could survive some wood falling on him. Although he did survive getting crushed in a in
1: a garbage dumpster. <laughs> right, exactly. Now, all right. Uh, what do you guys rate uh, part two, Secret of the Use?
3: Ah,
1: uh, three out of five. Three out of five. Okay. Yeah, th- th- three pizzas out okay. of five. Four out of five. Uh, I would I would say a four as well, but but. You know, technically, rating it's a three, but it's got to be amped up by by that nostalgia, so it's a four for me. Um, I think we can all agree that the the next one we're going to very briefly talk about (laughs) isn't going to even come close to those ratings. So I I don't even remember what the fuck this movie's called. I Turtles in Time? No, No, that was a video game. That's the tagline they
2: threw on it in some versions because it's time machine based. But, yeah, that was an amazing arcade game, Turtles in Time. Uh, this is just part three.
1: Yeah. Uh, the, for me, I've never been more confused and, like, let down than this movie because, let's face it, this is something that one of the first movies I've seen and something that I've now followed. And, obviously, number two was big for me. Also, no, I want to say about number two, I remember getting a behind-the-scenes uh, thing, like uh, VHS and watching that like religiously. And so that's definitely like a basis of when I started getting into film and the the technical aspect behind the scenes stuff. Stuff that I've never seen before. Almost like somebody would look like at a Fangoria for the first time and and check out Savini or whatever the case may be. So for me it was like, Wow, this is so fucking cool. Like this is one of the this is this is just Opening up my whole world, and then it quickly got shut down uh, just as just as fast because of three, and it was so bad on so many levels. Like, but here's the thing: much like the other ones, I'm glad I can see it, or I'm glad I did see it at the time for what it was, because you can tell even as a kid, like something ain't right, like this ain't fucking right. Something peeled off. I don't think that this movie is. The the worst thing that I've ever seen in my entire life, like, there are emotional beats in it, there are certain things that that are okay, but man, does it derive from the first two in so many aspects. There's so many characters that are shoehorned into an already weird situation, it's just... There's so many things off about it. Um, I, I wouldn't even want to go into depth about this script because it's so convoluted and stupid. And and it's very unfortunate, too, and I wonder what happened. I really do. You know, set up Super Shredder and then give us a little tag at the, at the end with, with Krang or something. They could have went so many directions, dude, and it's like, to go to that was was so odd. I will say though that I bought all the toys, all the fucking turtles and samurai gear. Yeah. That's a that, that that that's a thing because I remember looking at it and I was like, I don't love these toys as much as I love the other ones. <laughs> like, and I also I still have the scepter, the little scepter that they all came with. I still have it. Yeah.
3: Like it's one of those deals where it's like you know, and I got to think about the how I'm saying this because we're talking about a movie of mutated turtles here. Um, <laughs> where it, like there was a certain amount of being grounded in the first two movies. And it's like, you guys said, New York was definitely a character almost in the first movie. And it was so important and almost relatable in a sense of like, Oh yeah, you know what? I want to go walk up and down the street and grab a slice of pizza and do this where it's like, I have no recollection or history with, China or Japan or wherever it was in the movie, and um, that sounds bad because I just haven't been there. Like I haven't watched <laughs> the movie in a while, there's so already I can't a
2: disconnect.
3: It. Yeah, there's already that disconnect, and then I haven't time traveled before. I don't think so. Like like there's that disconnect too. So it's just so many things like that like just like and then take away it's like okay well you'll take away the New York thing but at least I can rely that these characters are great that they have cool weapons it's like well we're gonna take that away too right Right. it's like you guys keep making like taking away all the great things it's like well we don't want it to look too dark or gritty either so we gotta make sure it's real bright like and it's just like you guys keep taking away all the things that made the first movie great and the second movie pretty damn good like you know, so it, there's there's so many things you could say about it, but I'll just
1: pretty much just leave it at yikes. <laughs> <laughs> you fizzled, you fizzled out at the end, too, because you started thinking about it just like I, I did. I'm like, yeah, yes. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't even want to talk about this. What's yeah, about? It, it's not even <laughs> worth talking. About. Every once in a while, I'll find myself going, you know what?
3: I'm 32 now. It's time to give it a shot. Let's right. watch it one more time. Maybe it's maybe now that I've matured, I will like it more than I was like. I get it, it's on for like four minutes, and I'm like,
2: yeah, <laughs> like I this is a waste of my miss. day, no matter what day it is and what time it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and unfortunately, I have to talk about it now. I'll do it briefly. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember sitting in the theater watching this one. My sister took me to see this. I remember her sitting to the right of me. It was that clear, and I was like, uh, 14. I bet she was pissed. <laughs> oh, can you imagine what she was thinking? Like, this is the shit that he's into. <laughs> We're sitting, and all I remember is looking up at the screen and thinking, "I don't know what's happening here, but I don't, I don't like any of this. This is not good. This is not." What I like about Turtles, this is not anything to do with the first movie or the second one. This is not the same in any way, shape, or form. The Turtles look atrocious. The characters, you know, (laughs) I'm sitting there watching the cartoon at this point. I'm thinking of Leatherhead, Baxter Stockman. I'm thinking of, you know, I can go on a slew of other, you know, Slash, all these other characters that could, could have been in this, Krang, Bebop, Rocksteady um i could go on rat king go on and on about you know good possibilities of what this could have been and i'm like no i'm looking at a a leader of a japanese you know uh fighting squad and this white guy and i have no idea what i'm watching none of this is funny (laughs) to me uh casey jones is back but gee i don't know i just don't feel the same way about him he's not back that wasn't him yeah he's He's got, like, a wig on, too. Yeah, what's up with that? His hair looked too perfect. And, it like, the top of it was, like, covered with, like, the mask, I guess. So it covered how fake the top of the wig looked. And I'm just thinking, like, at that point, it dawned on me that I'm not into this anymore. (laughs) And I actually (laughs) stopped with the turtle. I just moved on to other things at that point. This movie actually hurt my whole turtle uh, craze because... It was the the right age and the right movie that I just moved on to other things. And I started – I stopped thinking or caring about the turtles and went on to other stuff. And I guess it was about – I guess 2003 when they made that new turtle cartoon when right. I kind of like – it I cleansed my palate or whatever. And by the time I got to that, I was like, okay, well, let's see what they're doing here. And then I was – sort of back on board uh but then i became majorly back on board when they released the 87 cartoon on dvd so this this movie actually had a big impact on my turtle um fandom in a way negatively and i to rate this i give it a 0 out of 5
1: <laughs> oh man i i i feel like i got to give it something i'll give i give it I'll give it, like, um, the last bite of crust of pizza. Just, like, sitting there the, the next day, just hungover, and you're hungry, and you just kind of eat it, because it's there. Um, but, yeah, that that's what I would equate this movie to. It really didn't do much for me. But, hey, what I am glad about is the fact that we all got to sit here and rap about the first movie, which is obviously the good one, and you guys are the best. I know that my dumbass, it took me a long time to uh, to get us all together, to get us all on wax for this episode. But thank you for A being patient with me and B coming on because this this has been one of those shows that I've been waiting years to do and to have you guys on here to do it with me. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you so much for coming on.
3: Oh, thank you for having it, having me, man. And yeah. Hey, hey I got one way with it. So what about the two thousand seven movie, the CGI movie?
2: I went to watch that last night. I was about 25 minutes in, and I fell asleep. It was just way too late. Um, but, but I got to say, I only watched it two times for whatever reason. I don't know why. It has nothing to do with what I feel or anything. Maybe I was just at a different age. Obviously, I was 27 when I came out, different age, and um, things don't strike me the way they do. I'm not as impressionable as I was when I was younger. So although I do you know, find new favorites that I do rewatch even at those ages and stuff, so it's not really an excuse, but I guess I could just say that um, it was just a solid uh, movie and it was definitely uh, an improvement and it was definitely needed, but it's not the kind of thing that um, strikes me as something I, I should watch every five years or so.
3: Right. Right. Even though it's in the same universe as the other movies, I think because of the fact that it was entirely CG, it it took away that um that little that little bit of realism like right. now the movie it's pretty good it has some cool points it has a cool script it's it's fun but like at the same time like and i have a fond memory of going and seeing that at midnight nice when it came out i went to the midnight showing for that movie because i was amped that there was just any new turtles coming anything to watch right a big screen um and uh like the movie itself it's pretty good now is it as epic as the first movie or even the second no but is it it's it's leaps and bounds above the third
1: movie Uh yeah i'll have to check that out because i haven't seen it um also we 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 briefly touched on the michael bay ones um I I actually enjoyed the first one for what it is, but like much like Aaron just said, it's it's nothing like it. Um, it's it's probably better than even the third one though. <laughs> I would have to say. In is so so that's kind of how I would rank those. Now I heard you guys talking about when it came out, uh, the Turtles versus Batman. How was that? Ooh, dude. Um
3: I think Alex and I have had similar sentiments in the sense that it's a little like the like the animation looks a little off.
1: I I, um, I mean what you're talking about
3: yep. Um like I, I I could only imagine if they if they had hired the same animation which they don't do it the same way they did before but I wish they would have had the animation team that did the 90s Batman cartoon oh, um that would have just been but overall the movie it's so fun it's so badass it is such a good time like it's one of those deals where like you hear of like this franchise meets this franchise and you think well that's going to be hokey but no it pulls it off and it is so awesome and so fun and shredder is a legit threat and badass in it like it is awesome dude it it is so fun i love it Um, um do i love it as much as the first turtles movie um no but is it like for what it is yeah i love it
2: nice
1: i'll check it out Yeah. I'll the, see
2: the see. highlight for me is michelangelo and batman's chemistry i mean that yes. alone <laughs> yeah that's it that's all you need to really uh for to bring back a memory of what i like about that movie i would say their chemistry and their back and forth is enough for me to say absolutely watch this if you love both these characters um i thought the only downside of the movie is I think they made Batman a little too invincible. Like it seemed like nobody can get a hit off of him. Uh, the Turtles got like zero, I think, if I recall, and Shredder seemed to have a very hard time with him. When and, and he's supposed to be our ninja, like the deadliest you know ninja ever, besides Splinter, I suppose. So I would expect Shredder to kick way more ass. He does to an extent, but I felt that. It seemed Batman was the better fighter, and they were putting that left, right, and center. Like they were not hiding that at all. It was not subtle at all. That was the only thing I th- I thought was off putting. I'm gonna I might watch
3: it tonight again. I've only Ball-sync? got to watch it I've only got to watch it one time. So um but yeah, when Batman and Shredder fight, I mean Batman definitely gets his bell rung the first time. He's definitely like, whoa.
1: Right. A little <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, and obviously, like I said, I haven't seen any of those. Um, that 2000, what is it, 7-1? I was just turned... That's encouraging to hear that it's good. I definitely want to see the Batman one for sure, but I think more importantly, too, you know, we just sat here and reviewed this first movie and how much we love it. Um, it's good to know that There are still fans out there, you know, perpetuating this property, trying to get this out there, continuing the turtle legacy, so to speak. You know, um, I love that that our version's always going to be the best version. I'm sorry. I don't care what anybody ever says. I don't think that could ever be fucking contested, ever. So um, so it's good to know that they're still making turtle properties. Who knows? Maybe it continues and we get an iteration that they, they go back to some old school techniques. You know, maybe they do go back to some puppet stuff, mixed with some CGI stuff. Who knows? I'm just glad that, that they're still relevant, um, even if... Even if none of the versions are superior to the original. Um, It's still, it's still fun to watch. It's still fun to keep up with. And, and it's fun to talk to you guys about it. Uh, This this movie review, man, it's been in the making for literally my entire life. Like I've talked about it bits and pieces. Like we can't stay away from it. <laughs> it seems like on any podcast we get together on, um, or any conversation we have, for that matter, it always it always has something to do with it. So to have you guys on here and to do this with me, thank you guys so much for coming on. I appreciate you guys uh, so much. Um, so Alex, do you have anything coming up in the near future? Uh, no, nothing in particular, uh, just tune in every
2: week to the Married with Children podcast with Dan and I, and we will be returning in October to do our yearly Skeleton Crew special, so anyone who's a fan of the Skeleton Crew?
1: Yes, um, something tells me that's gonna be, uh, pretty special. (laughs)
2: Yeah, um, we might just review more than, like, the one big movie we do, because we felt that, um, You know, we reviewed Halloween the first year, then Three from Hell the second year. So we want to actually make this more fulfilling uh, this time around. So we have a couple ideas. We'll see how that goes.
1: Yeah, we'll see how that pans out. Uh, Now, Aaron, we've talked briefly about you starting your own show. Are there any more developments on that? Have you given any more thought to that, sir? And before you answer, um, just know that, the answer from Alex and I is a resounding yes and you should do that and you Mm -hmm. should do it sooner than later. But yes, any developments on that, sir?
3: I put zero thought into it. No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: No. uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I'll see you at that. (laughs) Yep. Thank you. Good night. Uh,
3: No, I have thought greatly about it and, uh, you know, talked to you and Alex about it and trying to figure out a way to do it. And, um, you know, I think we've kicked around a couple different names for it and called it something like just whenever it happens. And really the only reason I would do it is just to uh, bullshit with you guys. Like, I guess I don't even really care if I have a high listening audience. If one person likes it, that's awesome. But like, if we can do it and do things that we've said we wanted to do that weren't exactly, because it's crazy. Cause we've talked about this. Like we've done a lot of podcasts together now where I, and I've always just been a guest. I've always just been someone that comes on and you guys edit me and make me sound better than I really am. Um, <laughs> but like, it's one of those deals where it's funny that we've actually never reviewed a horror movie together, the three of, the, the three of us, right. which is wild to think about as much as we've done, and that's how I got introduced to you guys. So it's funny to think about that, but, dude, there's so many things that – like like we've discussed doing Dead Man on campus before. Um, You know, everybody wants some. That's sort of the spiritual sequel to Dazed and Confused. Um, there's so many things we can tap into. Like I really feel we could give a definitive review on the Terminator movies that probably hasn't been done before. Because I even feel like this review that we just did there, the Ninja Turtles together, is we probably brought up points and brought up things that most reviews out there aren't going to think about and bring up. You know what I mean? And, right. Did it with um, the the and style that we like to do <laughs> together. Uh, but that said, it's it's one of those it's one of those deals. Like, yeah, there's definitely been some development in there. Um, Alex had sent me a thing. Let me pull that up about about the podcast
2: about what he wanted to call it. Um, <laughs> Duncan Duncan goes nuts. Hey, oh yeah, Duncan goes nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah I think a Dunkin' uh oh, Dunkin' Donuts. How can we you know do a playoff of that? So it's it's the same
1: font. Oh no, That's that's kind of brilliant.
2: <laughs> wow. Like,
3: I mean, there's so many names we could like. I think at one point we said it was going to be called Whenever It Happens Podcast. <laughs> like because like, it'll be because it definitely there won't be a schedule to it. That's for sure. Or like right. I don't know. We call it Porno and Pizza, but we never
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> sold where do I sign up? No, And and that's the thing, Uh, I think, in terms of podcasting, you either have it or you don't, and you definitely have it. Every show that we've all ever done together has been so much fun. So, once again, thank you guys so much for coming on. This has been a blast. Um, Yeah, and next we will be finishing up our Leprechaun franchise with JP from 22 Shots and Christian Luciani from Exploding heads. So everyone, check out those shows, and we got a lot coming up for you in the near future. So check it out. Thanks, guys, for coming, and thank you for listening. I love being a turtle. I made a funny.
0: On the half-shell, they're the heroes for. In this day and age, who could ask for more? The crime wave is high, with buggings mysterious All police and detectives are furious Cause they can't find the source Of this lethally evil force This reporter was hot on the trail, determined to put these crooks in jail. She spied the bad guys and saw what happened, but before she knew it, she fell in a trap and got caught. Yeah, she was all alone with no friends and no phone. Now, this was beyond her worst dreams, cause she was cornered by some wayward teens. Headed by Shredder, they were anything but good. Misguided, unloved, they called them the foot. They could terrorize and be angry youth, and they'd mug the people who needed proof. Then from out of the dark came an awesome sound. Shout a cowabunga as they hit the ground. From the field of weeds, the heroes rescued the flower, cause they possessed turtle power. find the strength to do what's right, that's turtle power. Heroes on a half shell, they're on a mission. When there's a battle, got the enemy wishing that they stayed at home. Instead of fighting these ninja masters with moves like lightning, they were once normal. But now the mutants. splinters the teacher, so they are the students. Leonardo, Michelangelo, and Donatello make up the team with one other fellow, Raphael. He's the leader of the group, transformed from the norm by the nuclear goo. Is the food that's sure to please? These ninjas are into pepperoni and cheese. Back to the story, it's not hard to find ninjas, not just of the body, but of the mind. Those were the words that the master instructed. But a letter from Shredder had Splinter abducted. That was the last straw. Spring into action. Step on the foot, now they're gonna lose traction. Now this is for real, so you fight for justice. Your shell is hard, so you shout they can't dust us off like some old coffee table. Since you've been born, you've been willing and able to defeat the sneak, protect the weak, fight for right. And your freedom to speak. Now the villain is chilling, so you make a stand. Back to the wall, put your sword in your hand. Remember the words of your teacher, your master. Evil moves fast, but good moves faster than light. Shining for your illumination. Good versus evil equals confrontation. So when you're in trouble, don't give in and go sour. Try to rely on your power. Power, power, Turtle power. power. power.